Welcome, you are listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. As ever, I'm joined by my good friend, Mark. Hey, everybody. Clem will be along shortly, he's assured us. Uh, but we're joined today by a very special guest. The guests don't get more special in the Mantic Universe than uh, than Ronnie Renton. Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Hey there, I'm Brian. And I'm Rick. From Dead Zone, the podcast. And you're listening to Mantic Universe Podcast. For everything Mantic under the sun. Oh, it's lovely to have you on. So um, let's go straight into, so what are we talking about today? So we're going to have welcoming on the menu. We're going to have our introduction. Topic of the month is uh, talking to Ronnie. We're going to talk Twilight Kin. We're going to talk about the new global campaign. We're going to talk a little bit on the the sci-fi side. So loads and loads to discuss, as usual. Um, We are going to talk about our Warpath firefight. And we've got a new book to talk about. So, uh, you know, let's see how we get on with that. We're going to talk about our Warpath dead zone. We're then going to move on to Panathor talk about kings of war and i'm sure we're going to mention clash of kings which happened last weekend our panel law for today and i'm not sure if he's read it or not is mark is going to explain to us the law of overdrive the game we're going to go to listener questions and we've got a record number of listener questions uh, this month i don't even know if we can get to all of them to be quite honest but we'll certainly do our best ah okay fantastic and then so what do we want to say so this is Ronnie Renton, and you are listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. I know about this. Um, two bits before we get started. So um, if you're in the market for some lovely STLs, go over to Corvus Games Terrain and put in the code MUPODCAST15 at the checkout to get a massive 15% off. And those files are great. I use them for Walking Dead. I use them for Mantic Sci-Fi. There's some really, really good stuff there. And very excitingly, uh, after Clash of Kings, we've been talking to Baron of Dice, who are very much the, ooh, let's say, the Rolls Royce of dice. They really, really do make amazing pre- premium dice. Highly recommended. And if you go over to their web store and put in the code Mantic Universe, big M, big U, if that matters, you get a massive 5% off. And Clem, I've just been talking about uh, Baron of Dice. Uh, but you've joined us at a great time. Ronnie's on, and uh, we're just about to get started. I've done the introduction, which I normally get wrong. I think it's gone okay this month. This is Rob Fnuff from the Countercharge Podcast, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe Podcast, the only podcast that has the balls to cover all their games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, did you lose the, the touch? Because we haven't recorded in so long, right? Oh, still got it. <laughs> still got it since yesterday. Super. Aye. Fantastic. So, topic of the month. So, Ronnie, I was thinking about this. So, Twilight Kin looks absolutely fantastic. You've got an awful lot of hard plastics in a new release, which, you know, is, is exciting. It's good for Mantic and good for us as gamers. Yeah. The models, you know, we were lucky enough to be at Mantic before Clash of Kings. We've seen them. They're absolutely stunning. The the units are very varied. This is the only podcast with the balls to do all the games. Yep. And I was thinking to myself, it's sort of a bit of a a literal plastic metaphor for, you know, these, these Twilight Kin, they're on these ships. They're navigating the void. You know, they're sort of navigating between dreams and reality. 
Yeah. And it's sort of a little bit like Mantic Games at the moment. You know, you're on, you know, you're on the path. I think you're traveling. You're you're probably uh, not where you want to be quite yet, but I think you're well on the way there. And maybe yeah. Ronnie, you can just um, take that tortured metaphor and and just run <laughs> with it for me. Yeah, sure. No, I mean it's, it is interesting. We've what's bizarre is running into the pandemic and say we were in pretty good shape you know we were recruiting we had good momentum and it's the tiny little conversations that we don't know about the games that go on in a in a store in reno on a tuesday night their mantic night and they're they're playing games and that's introducing people and those people start playing and things grow and then the pandemic did change a few things the first was that obviously gaming stopped everywhere for Fully three months, but largely a year of face to face gaming in social spaces. People carried on playing. There's lots of universal battles and the Kings of War players, I think, finished those armies off. They're meant to do. They 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 bought and read and played with their Kings of War buddies. You know, they're, but they maybe did it in their garage or in their basement or in their dining hall room. And what that did was it kind of stopped the recruitment. The second thing is we had to switch into resin because we couldn't get the plastics uh, made. There was just, the, the, you know, the whole world stopped for a while. And so so coming out of those, I think the first thing we fixed was the plastics. And they takes at least six months, probably a year from deciding and committing to actually seeing the benefits of that release. And then the recruitment has just, it feels like it's just started to come back. So it does feel like the, the pandemic was a diversion or a, or a slowdown of what we were doing and then getting back on that bike and getting cycling again and getting back on your journey between dreams and reality and getting the momentum back up. Um, it just It just has taken some time. Uh, I don't think it ever stopped, but it's one of those things that getting up to that fast speed, that really quick, uh, yeah, global. So I think a lot of good things happened, but at the same time, some things that, stopped happening need to happen again have has started to happen again so it does feel like that real momentum that i've been thinking about kings of war for a while i'm going to jump on board the firefight you know universe is just really getting some traction now and people are just knowing that it's there it's there to stay so yes i think um stretching your tortured metaphor to breaking point uh we do have that momentum it does feel good it does feel like we're back up to speed, back in the peloton, and, and, and you know, the voyage skiff is now breaking through into new uh, dreams and nightmares. Perfect. And just out of interest, Ronnie, is it, I mean, people were, so obviously COVID, it was pretty dark days. People were suddenly very time rich yep. when they may not necessarily have been. Did it impact sales? Because I can imagine a lot of people went, right, that's it, I'm doing an army now. Yeah. So interestingly, it didn't, like I think some computer games, you know, the day after the lockdown started, their sales went up, you know, 200 million percent or something. I think what happened was those that were in your ecosphere were getting to the end of the month and thought, well, I've not, I've not been to a tournament. So I've not spent money with airlines or hotels. I've not spent money on gas. Um, I've, got, I've, I've got some hobby money. And so we didn't, we didn't see it overnight as suddenly it just got busier, but we were just busy. We were just uh, all of our issues became operations. Sales were easy, which is never the truth. Normally, you know, it's um, people have many other things to spend money on and no time to do it and time rich, to, to, you know, time poor, money poor, all the things. And all of a sudden, so it wasn't like, oh, my God, we're doing double what we normally do. 
we kind of made our sales numbers, but in a wholly different way. Yeah, it's really so, interesting. And I do remember you put out the containment protocol. I think I found that very funny. You put out, I think it was random sci-fi boxes or something like that, which I thought was a really smart idea to just get people, you know, putting orders in. Yeah, yeah. And we just had to, and we had kind of a couple of months because um, there was a bit where everyone else closed and we were still open. We'd, I stayed up all night reading the legislation. And I said, no, I don't think they want companies to close. I think they want you to, you know, operate sensibly. But if you... So, so for a while, a lot of people looked to us, and that's when The Walking Dead. I mean, I, hilariously, you know, we sold out of The Walking Dead stock. Um, you know, so in the in the end of the world pandemic, we obviously everyone black humour kicked in, and, uh, um, and The Walking Dead did very well. Lots, and I think it was a game you could play with your family. You know, people knew of it. And so yeah, so we we studied, the Kickstarters did very well. You know, kind of add on for Hellboy Kickstarter did double what we thought it would do. So. We did benefit, but not in a way where you suddenly put your feet up and go, OK, there we are. We're now five times the size. And then you come crashing down afterwards. We no, just it, stayed steady. We did creep it, up at a little dip beginning of this year as, as the world really starts moving. And all those people that have painted that army and built that army. And, you know, we saw that at Clash this weekend. weekend you know 75 80 percent of the armies there were mantic armies and that's that's because people had some time and they could they could finish that project off they could they could actually get it done and and that's why we're very sympathetic to the fact that we know lots of people have mantic figures but getting it from a figure to a completely painted army that you're tournament comfortable with is a um is a, is a tough old journey yeah, and it's. Uh, I think I said to you at Clash, Ronnie. It's it's not a conversation you can have, but it's something I can I can say as a player and and as a fan of Mantic is, you know, I think sometimes people have, you know, when we're when we're Pathfinders or we're you know people who are pushing the game as as fans, you know, it used to be the case that people would start with a sentence, "This game is models agnostic," and and I'm certain we need to move away from that idea, and I think. There is a little bit of I, I'm not sure. I mean, if you if you honestly look at the the Kings of War range, I'm sure you'll find something that you love with Mantic yeah. models. You know, you've yeah. got great models now. There's you know there's yeah. a huge range. A lot of the the armies have full ranges or nearest amateur full ranges, and I, I think you're well on the way of as as we were talking about at the top of the show of you know the movement that Mantic the journey that you're on as a company I think is really really interesting, and I think you're doing great things. Thank you, that's very kind. And, and it's one of those things I never well two two things Jeff, I never have used the word we're we're agnostic we're military agnostic. I always I, it was always my intention that I know how hard it is to get an army together that you're comfortable playing and you feel comfortable with. So it was always my view and my, not maybe not explicit view, but my implicit uh, view of the world was you'd start with what you've got. Come on over, come and play. We're happy to have you. If you've got a scave, an army, you've got a dwarf, come and play. And as you start playing and as you start falling in love, and when you start your next army, then, then that'll probably be a mantic one. 
and yep. that's you know it is but at the same time you know it's your hobby it's your free time um if you want to play i would and, and, and my hierarchy is i would rather you play my game than not play my game i would rather you play my game with my miniatures than play my game with someone else's miniatures so in the hierarchy my dream state is play my game with mantic my second one is well i'd rather you play it i'd rather the audience be big and 3d printing didn't exist when we kind of came up with this you know come on over with your troops come and come and join us and come and see what a good game it is um yeah that's now a you know very much a thing that the 3d printing so it became i think words were put into our mouth that we never came out and explicitly said no 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 you can't because the chance of being misinterpreted is so high that you need to take it in context which is you know there's a hierarchy there and first and foremost if you're loving kings of war great come join us I hope my miniatures are good enough to excite you. And if that doesn't work, then I'll bribe you with rum or Ronnie the Bardstead's uh, miniatures. So, you know, we'll have other ways of trying to tempt you across to encourage that behaviour. But ultimately, it's your hobby time, it's your money, it's how you want to play. Um, so, yes, I want to tease you and tempt you and I want you to use our minis. Of course I do, because, you know, I also think it's, if it's a goblin spearman unit, it's a mantic goblin spearman unit, your opponent knows it's a mantic goblin spearman unit. It's a dwarf of, it's a unit of naiads. So I think it helps. You know, I think there is a certain degree that, particularly at the top levels, you know, when you are playing top table games, at two hours under the clock, a good player, it's rude to be asking them, what's that? What unit is that again? You know, ogre, bo- ogre shooters are ogre shooters. They're ogres with guns. You know, and if they're the magic models, whatever, they you know exactly what they are. Um, you know, our ravens on with dwarves throwing hand grenades, you know what they are. And so there's a little bit there that at the very top level, at tournament level, uh, I, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship if people don't take that unit, take that army. Because, um, but yeah, so I think it's a, we're on a journey. The better we make our miniatures, the easier it is for people to sign up and do it, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely agree. How much also comes into this? So, for example, if you were to make an, a lovely box of Mantic, you know, Basilian Spearmen, let's say, you, there are an awful lot of Spearmen on the market, right? Whereas if you go and you really mantify an army like the Halflings, let's yeah. say, you are, you're making very unique models. It feels like because one of the issues or challenges, I think, with Kings of War historically is I've, I've found is you've got two uh, model ranges or possibly multiple model ranges in one battle where people haven't bought Mantic on a generic fantasy table. And to me, it just it, it kind of ruins my immersion a little bit, whereas... Yeah. If I see halflings against Rift Forge Orcs, against Night Stalkers, you can see the the design sensibilities there across the different armies. You can see yeah. this all fits together, this belongs together, and it grounds me in the in the game, if that makes sense. Totally. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's the better we get at doing what we're doing. And we needed to start with an audience. So you started with dwarves and elves and you know, Kings of Men was always meant to be the gateway army. Because A I never intended to do, you know, anything like Empire of Bretonians in that basically French medieval knights and, you know, kind of German Landschneck inspired space. So if you've got one of those armies, come on over, come and play the game. And then when you start discovering what we've got, you know, jump into our dwarf army, jump into our whatever army. And interestingly, I think Kings of Men is army list built the most uh, 
the most that doesn't have a Mantic army to go with it these days. Um, but, but you know, when we did our first human army, which was the Basileans, um, or Basilians, you say tomato, I say tomato, um, and then later the Northern Alliance, which was, you know, humans at its core, with, with, with owls and what have you around it. Um, we, we, I very much wanted to take the approach that when we're doing something that has, you know, humans, there's a very large fantasy element to it. You know, so the Northern Lions have, you know, giants and flying dwarfs and um, lots of fun stuff and elves and dwarfs. And the Basileans have, you know, angels literally flying by their side. Um, so so the, I, I always wanted to tease in a far more fancy element into the human um into this human themed army so that they become more fantasy and and then slowly but surely that the orcs are no longer just orcs there's orcs and riftforge orcs dwarfs and free dwarfs yeah and dwarfs exactly in, in the so it feels but, over time you're mantifying things it's it's all feeling more unique you're going from a position where possibly your stuff is you know i mean obviously the granddaddy of all this is tolkien right and yeah. then of course there was games workshop doing their warhammer game um, and it's, I think but, Tolkien is, it's so hard to, to move beyond that, but you're, you're mantifying it. And all of them do it. So I think, you know, you go back to the early days of, of GW, their elves were Tolkien elves. You know, they're exactly. Were, exactly. So, I think we forget that so as well. So yeah. started with a kind of Tolkien world and then slowly, but over 15 and 20 years, um, Games Workshopified it and World of Warcraft. Was, you know, I think basically largely a GW ripoff, but then they took it in their own direction. And I think when you start with a fantasy world, you kind of start with something somewhat characterless and bland. But if you go too far, and one of the things I saw when I started Mantic was I'd seen 10 fun, very detailed, very developed IPs that came and went because it was too much for people to take on board. And so I said, well, let's just do it the other way. Let's start with the game. Let's just start by playing a better game. You know, Kings of War is categorically, a, 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 you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fight any of our games against any equivalent you want to do in a blind test with 100 people. And I believe the Magic game will come top, you know, and Kings of War was the first of those. It was clean. It was slick. It was written by Alessio, who had written two versions of 40K and two versions of Warhammer by this point. So he was a seasoned pro. He knew what he was doing. He'd never had chance to write the Warhammer fantasy rank and flank game he wanted to and i gave him the opportunity to do that and what we got you know was a was a remarkable piece of kit now we're just layering on and 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 you know i think with the twilight kin because we're doing it when you do a game and you're trying to do 10 armies all of them end a little bit bland it's hard to get a story on them but because we've had you know nine months since we were announced and three months building up and now we're right in the middle of it we all know the twilight kin kind of come out of the void we know that they're bad elves we kind of because we're all watching this process we're soaking up the ip by osmosis we're we're sucking it we want it tell me more about it so it's not a push anymore it's a pull and when it's a pull and it's a global campaign, so everybody's looking at him playing a dwarf army, but hey, the Twilight Kin are coming. The Night Stalkers are here. Northern Alliance is fighting against them. Stories are starting to be built. The IP is starting to get more depth, more rich. And then now, because we're not, you know, we're not having to open trade accounts all the time, what we're trying to do is build up our audience. We can spend more time, more effort, you know, pouring fire on that. Um, pouring fuel on that fire and keep the IP building and keep it developing. And as it's a journey, I think it's a far more 
interesting and 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 um, you know osmosis style way of learning the IP. So, I completely agree with you. And and what was that process, Ronnie? With you had the you know Twilight Kin. They were in the the you know third edition of the game, for example. They were you know similar to you know naughty elves from other game systems. Yeah. Which is and also how you know how everyone has duck drow, dark elves. It's not it's a very yeah. standard trope. Yeah. So what is it you're looking for to sort of to make it mantic are there particular is there a particular process you follow or is it just you, you know someone gets an inspiration and you run with it it's um because obviously the army is very unique you know the, the they're on ships etc it's very very cool the impalers are now massive hulking beasts you know in heavy armor yeah. So it's a very, very um, iconic looking army. It's very distinctive. Was there, you know, is there a set process you go through now with with new armies or is it just, you know, where inspiration takes the company? Well, and the process is about 18, from, from 18 months out to six to 12 months out, roughly. And we're just getting back to this. We were in this game pandemic and then, which we did the halflings. And, you know, I mean, the, the Halflings was one of those ones where I said, and, it was, and the design team really just absolutely nailed it. I said, for God's sake, don't you dare make them bloody chefs. Don't you, and don't be putting kettles on their head, you know, upside down and, and you know, um, you know, tin pan as their, as their weapon. This is an army. Make it an army. And what would make Halflings um, work? You know, they've got to fight. They're going to come up against a great big orc. And an orc's going to look to knock your head off. So if you can't compete, then they're going to win. So you've just got to be compelling. You also don't want to make the Riftforge Orcs look like silly pantomime villains as well. The Riftforge Orcs are nasty. Yeah. You know, and so if the, the halflings are going toe to toe with them, they need to be, a, as you say, a proper army, capable army. By the way, on the down low, I find the halflings probably the most scary army in the game with their life <laughs> leech and everything like that. There's a, they're smiling, but I'm absolutely terrified of them. <laughs> terrified of them. And, and I think, and because of that, and the only, probably my only two inspirations in this creative process was don't you dare take them there. Now, we quite like the chefs being the vanguard. The chefs, are there, because what they do, you know, the vanguard unit was, they go ahead of the army. Uh, they're the best of the veteran troopers and get to where the base is going to be built for that night, you know, ahead of the troops, kill a, kill a few animals, cook them up. So by the time the army arrives, you know, the camp's built, they've done everything. These are the seasoned pros. But the actual army, I didn't want it themed around, you know, pots and pans and on the head. And, and I said, the second thing is they would, you know, like, Riding giant dogs, you know, so they they put blocks of troops in that are just there to just slow you down, snarl you up, and then, and then these dogs start whipping across with halflings on the back, you know, almost like uh, you know, um, not Attila, um, uh, the Mongol um, Genghis Khan, Genghis, you know, kind of yeah, firing off the back. Here you are, you don't even know what you're fighting against. They've got speed. Um, and then and then the guys took it on one and more with the harvester and the aeronauts. And they said, well, yeah, you know, I said, you know, even by the American Civil War, they had um, hot air balloons and it was. And they just took this kind of melting pot of of, 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 of random historical units and combined them in a, in a fighting style that I think came together to create something that now is very, very unique. Um, why wouldn't you build buy those models? They're lovely. They're well made. You know, if you if you if you want a unit of stalwarts, a horde of them, you can download on the vault. 
So you can add the arms and heads. If you want us to make them in resin, we'll do that too. You know, you also but the whole to get is, uh, Broken Alliance out as well, the novel. So, you know, every, yep. it feels like everything was really tied together. Correct. And um, what does it mean, Roddy? What does this all mean for Rordia? Is Rordia an army you, you could see going back in and mantifying? Yeah, well, we'll have to talk about that. I don't so. I don't know why we ended up. I think it was because there wasn't any. So one of the gifts that keep on giving, and that was heavy sarcasm in case anyone missed it, was Uncharted Empires was one of the best and worst things we ever did. Best because we'd just done in 2015 the Kings of War. All the armies that we had in plastic and made were in that book. We're very proud of it. It was a very well-balanced game. Um, you know, spent ages working on it. Uh, Nick Williams, Dan King, um, you know, Jess Swan, everyone that was loving the game at the time. I think Mad Prem predicted Swift, Jess Swan. But there was a lot of love for what we were doing. It was a well-balanced game. And then all of a sudden, old world blew up. We knew a lot of people were going to be looking. But if you had a Dark Elf army, if you had a... a another army one of 10 different armies that wasn't featured in our game you couldn't play so we knocked this book up really to allow people with our rules committee matt gilbert actually previously working for us just sat down and we just chunked out a load of armies again of the idea saying come on over come and join us we'd love you to come and play our game you know um just so that there was also some kind of creativity of some things were coming we put things like the trident realm in um i'm trident realm is my one true love and i'm very very much looking forward to uh some more hard plastics running sorry to interrupt you no no so you might want to watch by february i wouldn't if i was you i wouldn't start a trident realm army just right now unless you start <laughs> some, some naiads and some other plastics and i've plastics got plenty of the naiads enough. don't you worry yeah correct so they're uh and they take a while to paint so i've, I've got half of them so so it was great but in some ways it, it people saw it as um I, I, and my motto was if we haven't done it in plastic mantic hasn't done it you know um please don't start building these armies you know varangur armies i see when we do varangur we will take it in a direction you know that will be good fun <laughs> but i don't know what it is yet so i'm very nervous when i see people taking armies that they are they're kind of that have never had any mantic plastic because there's no anchor point and that's what happened in twilight kid and so the reordia we just wrote and we wrote, we thought, well, actually, people might have human armies. They might want to add some halflings to it. You know, it'd be good fun. So let's just create this league down there. And then when they broke away from the league, um, they became their own army. But the interesting bit in the League of Reorder, I thought, was the halflings. <laughs> so there's a few things that are have unintentionally come about. And either we need to acknowledge that this has happened to them and that's that, or... We're going to go back and do something with them. But See, there's almost... I actually think they'd be more interesting now that the halflings have rebelled, yes. or you yeah. know, because now actually they, you know, they were tricked. Spoiler alert for the Broken Alliance book. So they are this, you know, relatively small and suddenly besieged, um, you know, sort of human uh, civilization that is, you know, a, a confederacy. It still has some halflings, but now I'd be really interested to see, you know, they've got the honor guard. They've got some really cool units, but yeah. in the story, what now happens to them? You know, are right. they going to fall completely? Are they going to go in a new direction? So uh, to me, it's more interesting now than ever, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Well, and there's just a few of those loose ends. And what Matt and I need to sit down is and go, 
in the next phase. And that, fortunately, now we've got this fantastic plastic coming through and the, you know, we're now just chunking along. We're back onto our rhythm that we had uh, pre-pandemic. We've got that rhythm and that timeline back out there. You know, one of the things he and I are sitting down is we're going to talk through, we kind of, we know next year's Kings of War releases. We also know the two projects we're doing next that's going to be alongside Kings of War. Um, and it's how do we then tie as many of these loose ends together in a very satisfactory and complete way, you know, in a bit of a Marvel Universe kind of, um, you know, in this phase, all of these things are going to happen. And uh, so that so that we can answer some of these questions, because I think there's a whole load of really fun um, narratives that can be told in different ways. And one of the things I'm very excited about is having a little bit of time, having stepped out of the you know day to day of just keeping the operations running, um, how we're going to tell these stories. And and the the at the moment my headspace is that you know everything that happens in Panathor, Dungeon Saga, um, Kings of War, whatever happens with Vanguard, another another secret and exciting projects all are part of this narrative timeline that's running you know one year in real world is 10 years in panathor feels like a a kind of a fun narrative and we can keep the timeline moving on and things keep happening just like the global campaign is doing you know but but making it explicit and using these to tie up some loose ends just to make a quick point on something you mentioned a little while ago, Ronnie, with, you mentioned the Varangur and obviously the Twilight Kin. I think the key for me is communication. If you're going to change an army, and I think you communicated really, really well, there will always be some grumbles from people on the internet because, yeah. you know, that's what the internet is like. Yeah. But I think you communicated really you know, in advance, ahead of time, as best yeah. as you could. And that's honestly, I think that's all we can expect of you. And I really appreciate it. And let's be honest, if you're doing an army that Mantic doesn't make models for, guess what? Mantic might make models for it. And when they do, the army might change. So, you know, yeah, I think I we all understand where we are. Correct. You've got to understand if I don't make models for it, I don't even know what you're making. And listen, we've got so, to be honest with ourselves. If we don't buy Mantic models you know the, the, just buying the book isn't enough if we don't buy mantic models mantic won't be here and we won't have these wonderful games this wonderful community that we all love so you know let's be a little bit honest with ourselves that you know if we if we love this stuff we really ought to be buying mantic models yeah, and well, not it might be, from another it might be a very different form you know it, it won't be the because we'd have to do more any uh, other things so it might be but i think it would be <laughs> it's a better if i could give you great miniatures that you want to buy at a really fair price building armies then, then that's what I kind of want you to do. Um, but similarly, you can't shout at me if you're making something I don't know about. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and until we've made plastic for it, I reserve the right to make something cool. And um, Ronnie, and, so, sorry, um, go ahead. Sorry, Ronnie. No, so so I think well, we, what we were just talking about just before the um, the miniatures bit, we were just uh, narrative. No, oh yeah, and I th- so actually I think we communicated better about Twilight Kin than we did about Northern Alliance and um Agreed. And you took it you, you know, took it out of the app basically and said, mm, you know, everyone, just FYI. Yeah, yeah, correct. And I think we did a really good job at Twilight because it was such a big change and I wanted it to be a big change. We'd started the discussion and I said, This is massive. You can't you can't let people start building armies. You can't give them this. You've got to do it. What I didn't then say is Oh, by the way, we're doing cool things for Northern Alliance too. Because I thought people would just be ecstatic about that. How can you not be happy about, you know, dwarfs throwing hand grenades on? What I'd forgotten is that 
it was starting to coming into show season and people were building their army to come to clash. So nice door, because that was the other one. So I had people coming up, yeah, Paul, who won it. Phone me, I said, Well, what are you doing to me? You know, I have started building this army, I'm playing this army, I'm doing this army, I'm, I'm trying to make it competitive. I was like, ah, yeah, crumbs, so sorry. So that's why I'm telling everyone, like, Twi- uh, Trident Realms is next. <laughs> it's February, it's March, sometime next. So if you're starting it, start with our plastic, start wearing other courses, Trident Realm, it's going to be more water theme, not less. Is there going to be giant frogs spitting mortar shells half across the battlefield? Of course there is. <laughs> um, uh, so, yes, but, but I, you know, we've got to just bring people on the journey with us. And I think we've done that. And I think Abyssals didn't make it either because good, bad. So, so you know, again, now I feel like we're not changing the theme of the Abyssal army. It's very strongly themed, same as Northern Alliance. What we're adding to all these armies in these two is is whistles and bells is the things that really take it from an interesting Mantic army to a very cool ace Mantic army. Uh, yeah, and Forces of the Abyss, I'd say, you've already got a really nice hard plastic range yep. for that. It's, I think it's, it's sort of classic de- demon and hell archetypes, but it's yep. really well done. Yeah. So be really interested to see what oh, presumably you're adding to that. Clem, sorry, buddy, go for it. No, I just, yes, the, the, the two Forces of the Abyss kits are pretty nice, but I want more of them. Looking yeah. forward to them. That's my main army. So, okay, yeah. well, you're going to be very happy in the summer because we're going to get more. And, the, and and each one of these, now we've got the core, we start to get to do the fun stuff. And this is how it goes nice. from a good army to a great army. You know, the Northern Alliance, the way that's fighting now. And I'll put my hands up. But, you know, that came out for Vanguard. And I was somewhat sceptical uh, of both of them. Matt, Matt, Matt led the way on these. And I thought at the time Northern Alliance was a little bit, you know, um, Wildlings from the north, kind of. But no, he had a very strong vision of what they were and why they were about and what their raison d'etre was. And, you know, they're a hippie commune, uh, obviously a fighting hippie commune, where if you don't get on with dwarf society or you don't get on with elf society, this is where you go and live. And it's more of a meritocracy. But now slowly but surely, this is getting real momentum. And then, you know, the dwarf clansmen, that are, they're all, uh, you know, woolened up. But even more so, the ones riding around on ravens, how fantastic. And that's that's now where the second time we come to an army, I think we take it from, from good to great. I think as we come back to Abyss, which had a load of design input because it was Basileans versus Abyss. You know, that was the lead armies for, for third edition. Um, we're going to come back to these and really put them at the centre of the story. You know, our, our forces of Abyss are one of the typical bad, you know, archetypical baddies, along with Twilight Kid, Night Stalkers. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I think it's really great now that we're getting our momentum to come back, visit armies again, and put something that makes them, yeah, wild, you know, and, and really fun to play. Ronnie, I'm really interested to see what you do with Basileans, because yeah. I think you have a nice model range for them. Yeah. Uh, they don't seem to be one of the most popular played armies. Yeah. And I think, I, I feel like that could be an opportunity. I, I do too, and, I, and there won't be next year. You know, I know, I know the third army next year, and even I'm not allowed to say it at the moment. But there's not them. But we will. I think they would be a classic 2025 um, uh, army. What year is it next year? 24. You know, a, a classic in the February May slot. They would fit well into one of those because I think they're good, but I don't think they're great yet. I don't think they've really got their character. I don't Agreed. Think yeah, there is potential for it. And so, Ronnie, just a quick question. So, Kings of War is almost ten years old now. What's the 
big secret for the 10 year anniversary <laughs> well it depends when you go from the first uh which edition was the first edition i think it's a i think it's a little bit more than 10 years old isn't it if you go from the three printed editions that we were giving away let me let me dig out my um my copy just to i've got them all i'll check the date i'm not i'm not too stuck on dates but uh, i'm waiting for a big 10 year anniversary event or big something yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's 15 years of Mantic next year, isn't it? 2009, the, the September, the uh, Elves came out. So here we are. Unless you have a tour published by 2012, the copyright of the first book. So 11 years already. I missed yeah. it. Bloody hell. There we are. <laughs> uh, let's do the 15 years then. There we go. Let's go for 15. Look at all these pictures. Goodness gracious. This is a. We should have our cameras on. I'm just going down the. Um, I'm going down the the uh, oh, I'm gonna vanish down the uh, nostalgia train if I don't stop looking at that. There and Ron, Ronnie, we were picking up on a few things you mentioned at Clash. I think we were speculating wildly what the next army for next year might be, and I think we're we're thinking maybe Sylvan Kin, maybe Herd. I okay. think Mark said Herd, so I instinctively said, well, maybe the Sylvan Kin, because, you know, I just want to be argumentative. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think you mentioned it. D- there aren't hard plastics for this particular army. So I'd be very interested uh, if we're, you know, in the right ballpark. Can you hear the tumbleweed? Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to tell hey, you, Chris. I could always <laughs> hear the tumbleweed. It's yeah, no, that was what I just, because we haven't yet got the... We know roughly what we want to do, and it's part of a very big story. You know, I was talking about this whole story arc. The one year is 10 years. Um, this is a massive story to go alongside, like this year's was where the Twilight came, the void opens up, and the map's changing. You know, and this is this whole idea of, I think we're going to learn to fall in love with Panithor through the games we play and the stories we tell and the way armies get released, and each way it just builds up and adds a new layer and another um, texture to the whole thing. And we want to tell this story right. I think the Trident Realms, yeah, is he part of the story? Yes, that and the Abyss is both part of the story. But this is the coup de grace. And this is the, the point that the story becomes obvious. And I want to tell it in, in the right way. So I, I can't give you the end of the book. Um, no worries, no, no, no. enjoy up. speculating. Yeah, well, it's good fun, and and it will be, you know, it's going to be another great year of Kings of War. No two ways about it. Clash, absolutely. Clash, and I th- be good. Twilight mm-hmm. Kin release. I think it's end of October. I'm going to say when we could expect deliveries on that one. Yeah, uh, early November. I think late. No, no, October. No, you're right. No, no, no. Stay trade crate in the following month. So no, yes, um, shipping mid, shipping mid October. And can you tell us, Ronnie, when would we expect the list to be in the companion app? I know a few people who are hanging on to see what the rules are yeah, before they uh, pull the, the trigger one on thing that. that. We just are just so if you buy the army, the list is going to have a printed army list in your army. But I, I fully understand that people want to read, plan, and and decide whether they want to play it before they commit. And um, and I suspect we've we've got about another week of background. And sometime along that, we will be putting the stats out. Um, I don't know whether they've chosen to do it unit at a time. So you can just, well, it's again that if we just put it up, people just read it. Then you no. Know, whereas if we go, look, here is the void skiffs, and this is what they do in your army. And Kyle's very good at that because he's he's a great player. He's been part of the whole design process, instrumental in the design process. I'd probably say he's design lead on on Twilight Kin, certainly visuals. Um, 
So he's got a great understanding of how they play and how they look. So, he's also he's also a very charismatic man. He is a very nice man. He is very nice. So he's done you know he's done a very big heavy lifting job. So I just want to let them let each because it's all so new. If we just dump the army list on it, you lack all the character. You just go, well, they're too tough. They're too weak. They don't, you know, what's the point of it? Whereas if you're seeing void skiffs and going, oh, they're not just chariots. They're central to how they serve through the void and, you know, got picked and flying this way and that way. And impalers and how they've come about, how they've mutated, but they're strong enough that they won't get crushed. They don't become into, you know, void slaves or whatever the um, the other ones are. And um, void touched. So, so and how that they're slavers and they just take night stalkers as their slaves. And so there's this whole kind of nasty edge to them. And I want, so we just have to give ourselves two or three weeks to allow the pictures, the photography, the backstory to emerge and alongside it, some of the units, of course. So for, for me, Ronnie, I'd much rather hear all this than, oh, they hit on fours. No, they hit well, on threes. I, I'm much more interested to get excited about the fee, the theme and the feel of the army rather and, than the correct. numbers. And you can't fight against it at the moment anyway. So even if you just want the hits on four looks on stats, uh, don't worry, it's coming. Of course, it's going to come. Um, but you can't fight against it. So I'm not denying you anything that you don't have. Um, and we'll put it out, but I want to put it out alongside the context. Whereas if it just goes up too early, it becomes a rule discussion. And and then people say, well, there's no law in Panathor. You know, there's no there's no background. I don't love it. You say, well, OK, that's because we put the rule book up, the, the army stats up first. And everyone, we allowed everyone to, to just dive in there. And so give us a week or two. You'll have all the stats, all of it. It'll all be out as the minis you start to hit. Get down to your local gaming store, jump online and buy them if you like them. But and one thing we love, Ronnie, is you've started really leaning into what I think is one of Kings of War's biggest strengths, and that's the multi-basing side of it. Yeah. I was slow to that. Um, I'd gotten a Bissell Dwarf army painted by someone for me, and I was still trapped in the um, – they were all, all 20 mil based up. And it must have been six or seven years ago. But even then, I was still late to it. I glued them all to bases because I realised I was never, ever going to play any other game. <laughs> if it was a rank and flank game, I was playing Kings of War. Um, and, and this sounds like some kind of, you know, I, I, you know road to Damascus moment. But it wasn't. I just realised I was, I was never going to play it. And there it was. And then I started building my dwarf army. And I knew if I painted the figures individually, I'd never do it. And at this point, I was enjoying the modelling aspects even more than the painting. And I don't get a lot of time. It's quite hard when you come home and you've been doing toy soldiers all day to do them at night as well. But I had a real yearning for it. It was a nice time and Kings were always doing well. And I started my dwarf army. And actually, I glued the figures together. I glued them onto a base with the terrain on the base. And I got more adventurous as time went by. I sprayed it black and I painted what I could see. And before I knew it, units were starting to happen. And what was interesting was I wasn't painting figures. I was painting units. I was painting an army. And I don't know if you saw it when you were over. It was in my office. Um, the army has a great thematic. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, blue and green. which all of them are dwarf colours. But as an army, I've never been more proud. And it looks a hell of a lot better than the Abyssal one that I had done. Because that looks like a... Lots of miniatures glued to a gaming table, you know, glued to movement trays. This is an army. It's a, it's, and for me, that's, you know, kind of a big, big, big part is losing yourself in the in the visuals before the battle starts when the drums go and the cannons start firing. It's that. And it, and it did that. And I was just nervous that there'd be some kind of pushback. 
and 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 I was I was wrong. I should have leaned into it. I don't know if you agree with this, Ronnie. I think for me, the hardest thing getting new players into Kings of War, the the game is amazing. Almost never, you know, people never argue that point. It's um, people are intimidated. I think painting that many models. So the multi-basing, the fact that you now have ambush, because I think Vanguard is a good game. Bear in mind, I've I've got the rules, bought the rules, never played it. But Vanguard seems like a really good game. But it was never going to be that game to get people into kings of war right because the design sensibilities of those two things are very different you're not going to paint up you know 10 vanguard models and then you don't have a start to play kings of war proper so it's a it's a different beast so yes firefight that put it because dead zone does lead you straight into firefight precisely 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 actually uh, and i just said you know what we made it very hard to get into kings of war and that was when I was starting this, you know what, we need to get back recruiting. And I looked and I said, well, you on the army or the mega army? <laughs> the two-player set, even the two-player set doesn't tell you what to buy next, doesn't tell you what, what you need. And even then, you've got a load of troops to build and paint. So you have to have a pretty grown-up approach to it. So we don't, so ambush was a big step. And I said, well, if we're going to teach you to do it, let's just not put the 20 mil bases in, let's put the unit bases in, because it makes the journey half as hard. You know, it, it genuinely makes it much, much easier. And it and it shows the strength of the game. And the fact is, the things that look fantastic are your dioramas around your models. Exactly, exactly, which you simply can't do with almost any other game. No. So it's really, you're leaning into the strengths of the system of the, you know, uh, of the game. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. It really feels like you're playing to your, your strengths. And your strengths are, this is an amazing game amazing dioramas you know people can be so creative um i think it's absolutely fantastic ronnie i think everything mantic have been doing recently has just been you know fantastic really and um super and um maybe we could and one random question i had ronnie I th- i'd love to talk about the uh, the shadowed horizons campaign with you shortly one thing i just wanted to ask actually while i think about it mantic vault how how do you decide what goes on there and does that you know is that going sort of hand in glove with you know your hard plastics etc is that coordinated with your other business activities yes so the answer is categorically yes at this stage i don't know what's going to happen in the future and you know this 3d printing thing seems to be here to stay um i'm very conscious that I don't 3D print. I, I did 3D printing my birds because I couldn't wait for the plastics to come in. Uh, and I found it quite a frustrating experience. But I know there's a lot of people who will never buy plastic again. I'm also aware that currently an awful lot of people don't 3D print. I think Mark was telling me you had a 3D printer, Mark, that your wife bought you that you think looks very nice. But that's not your hobby. Um, it's still in the box, Ronnie. Exactly that. And and so I think it's here. It's part of what we do, but it isn't it isn't yet what we do. And we have a business that so I'm very conscious that I don't make things in the vaults that you can't buy in resin. But fortunately, I have a, a, a rather large model range built up over 15 years. So but uh, I'm also sympathetic to the stalwarts, which I, I use, for example, which are the halflings and for us to make you 10 heads, 10 halfling heads, 10 left hands and 10 right hands holding the two-handed weapons because we couldn't get them on the plastic sprue, honestly, is a pain. And we don't charge very much more money for it, even though that's 30 pieces of resin. 
and 30 pieces of resin at that size is an absolute nightmare. So, but even if we don't really charge it up, but we want to have the whole army, there it is available. Someone goes down and says, I want a hoard of those. So there might be 40 bucks, 35 quid. I need four of those, four units of 10. So, you know, 30, 60, 90, 120, 140 quid. Quite a lot of money, you know. So it's something that's difficult for us. It's so, expensive for, for the customer, but also Mantic aren't making a huge profit on that, are they, yeah, either? It's, no. you're, you, you, you might even be losing money on it, yeah, in all honesty. We're not losing, but we're certainly not. We're not, we're not you know, retiring anytime soon. You know, if I put the plastic in there, I put one sprue in, I put it in a box, I seal it, and I send it to you. Done. Whereas as soon as I do the resin, I've got to cast the resin, I've got to bring it down, I've got to check it, I've got to put it in the bag. Right. So, so it just seemed like there was an obvious win-win where if you want the convenience of the resin and us to do it for you, here it is, we've done it. And we want you to make this army collecting as easily as approachable as possible. And there's a few models in each range that are big and lumpy and difficult. We've made them, we will make them. So if you want your halfling army, you might not be able to get the plastics, but you can't get all of the add-ons at your local store. The vault does it. So it's both, if that's your hobby, it allows you to buy a few plastic sprues, and add it off and finish it off and do it off. Um, if you think, you know, cost-wise or convenience-wise, that's a good way of finishing your army. You can buy a mega army. You can add all your other bits and bobs to it. You, you, you're pretty much there. Um, but similarly, if it's not your thing, we've got you covered too. So, and we've done it with a game. I said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly. And Armada absolutely fits in this camp, you know. Um, they're expensive ships. One piece, one cannon breaks off one ore breaks off, I've got to send you another piece of resin halfway around the world. So if you want to go to your 3D printer and print it, or you want six of that ship because you've got a big fleet and you want more of those ones, you know what, let's let's get on with it. So it, it, I'm trying to create win-win, win for the consumer, win for Mantic, and also great recruitment opportunity. You know, I had many people come up to me at Gen Con and go, hey, you know what? I've been on the fence with Armada. I've been thinking about it. I really liked it, but I just never quite jumped over. Put it up on the vaults. Boom. I was, a, you know, I jumped on. Me and my son are playing every weekend. We love it. Uh, so suddenly there's that recruitment going on. You know, we're going to come out to my mini factory the next few weeks with a whole, here's a special promo deal. Here's a special rule book. Come and play our games. We think you might like them. We know you are now... Uh, Gamers in searching in search of a game. Why don't you come and try Mantic? I can honestly tell you as well, Ronnie. Once you start playing one Mantic game, uh, <laughs> <laughs> dot dot <laughs> dot. And um, super, Mark. Um, feel free to jump in and ask any questions. Uh, no problem. So uh, everything's already up for pre-order for the uh, Twilight Can, right, Ronnie? Is there yeah, anything yeah. held back? Is there a second wave, or is this it? No, that's it on this one. We've got a, uh, we did a, we just did a full big wave of everything there. Uh, get it all out. Get the army done. They, they ally in and can use night stalkers. So it was a good way because they're, they're some of the units they can bulk out, but like the, the ogres can you know access the goblins. So um, the army will be going up in a few days' time. Uh, I'll, I'll chat to the guys. I don't know exactly, but it's not going to be long. You're going to see it, and then you'll be able to, you know, buy exactly and specifically what you want. But uh, you've got every, everything you're going to go at, the main characters, they're all there. Very, very good. And the two-player set, we can let everybody know, is uh, Twilight Kin versus Abyssal Dwarfs, right? Oh, it looks so good. Looks it really does. Good. I so know I'm getting it. Set. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's just to play Ambush. It's great. Yeah. 
fantastic even if you're not really you know they're, they're two interesting factions as well clem anything to ask buddy mm, i'm still digesting everything there was a <laughs> i'm what dreaming a about uh, some portion of the abyss and uh, yeah. centerpiece models maybe yeah <laughs> uh-huh and um i mean i already have a lot of them but um i'm always happy to add to it you do <laughs> don't you um ronnie one thing one thing I would like to ask, I think I've got a Rift Forge Orcs army. I love that army. The range isn't complete. I know it It seems like it wasn't as, you know, it came out a similar time to Halflings. Halflings was a, a you know, a mega success for you. I don't think the Rift Forge Orcs quite were. Um, I've got a, you know, a lovely army for them. Some of the models, the Hellstrikers are on the vault, I know. Yep. Any any plans for, for anything? There are, I think there are a couple of uh, models missing. I don't know. I have to check. I, I think there's. We may well get to a point where we just go along and we look at um, all the armies and what they're missing. And is there a way that we can get these sorted for them in a, in a instead of doing hard plastics for one army, we do some a re, chunk of resin. But again, it comes back to that you know kind of resin circular argument. So, um, is there anything planned between now and June? No, there isn't. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. want to. Uh, anyone on the two armies that we are definitely focusing on in for kings of war is trident realm and then the force of the abyss and they're going to get a glow up as i as i heard the um (laughs) twilight kin described the other day so um i don't want to i don't want to mislead but this comes out of this conversation that me and madam are going to have in the next month or two is we've got some other side projects that are panithor related and do they allow us to visit um armies in, in a way that allows us to complete ranges, but in and of itself is exciting rather than just here's those missing units. You think, well, I, get, I mean to get those, but uh, but right now I'm in the middle of my halfling army. I'm not doing my Rift Forge Orc army, so there's no impelling, compelling reason to get them, if you know what I mean. And releases without context invariably do quite poorly yeah. because they're not big enough to get people to start the army and they're not compelling enough people to revisit the army. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, so, so what I what I found is that it's by far better to say right, Trident Realm, um, you've all dilly dallied, you've all got you know an army or a re- ambush set under the bed or something. Here they come. Here's the story. Here's what we're doing. Here's the cool, exciting bits. Here's some great rules for them. Have at it. And people go, oh, I've been meaning to do that. You know what? I'm this is this is the, my tipping point. That's going to be my next year's tournament army. So they start building it 2024 to take to the tournaments in 2025, you know, and and it's the, 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 the you need the backstory, you need the new models, you need a, a, a whole big push. Everything tied together and, and resources yeah. from Mantic, serious right. resources. And it's what to, you were saying yeah. at the beginning of the, the top of the podcast was, you know, it feels like there's momentum here and things are all tied together. They're all tied together because we we're focusing on something and doing it really, really well. Whereas if yeah, you start spreading 100%. Yourself no, no, no. I'm 100% with you. It's the right. It's the right thing to do. And I, it feels like you don't just know what you're doing next year. I think you've probably got a good idea of what's happening the year after as well. That you know, I think it's. I get I certainly get that impression. Um, so, Ronnie, let's talk about the global campaign. So it all kicked off the Friday before uh, Clash of Kings in yep. at Mantic HQ, yep. and it was an enormous amount of beautifully painted ravens against yep. the Night Stalkers. Yep. The Night Stalkers seem to get a big win for evil. Yep. So what happens now? How can people in you know participate? What should we do to get excited? 
So, yeah, firstly, if you've got a, if you're registered on the Mantic Companion, and I think many tens of thousands of you are now, you, you, you're already registered. You can just go in and it'll ask you to, let's, uh, let's bring it up, but it just will ask you to which, do you want to be aligned to good or evil? And what's quite nice about this is it doesn't matter which army you're going to play. It's just which faction you want to fight for. Now, obviously, the more um, good your army is, um, you, know, you probably want to pick good. And if you're playing night stalkers, you probably want to pick bad. Although, to be fair, Ronnie, our friend Manuel has a, a massive Basilian army, which is corrupted Basilians. So he plays yeah, Basilian yeah. rules, but they're evil. Yeah, okay, kind of, so yeah, it, yeah, it does happen. He can, he'll, he'll click it the other way and... Um, 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 you know, pick the evil side. So you, you jump in and you've got a, um, you, you pick which side. And what, what's, what's essentially happening is the night stalkers um, at the behest of some evil and dark uh, sinister race that's assumed to appear in Panathor um, have got them um, opening void cages uh, dotted around the northern wastes specifically around chill because it appears that there's something that um that 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 people want uh, some baddies wanting chill some massive artifact there that might be very important and relevant um and so the game that we kicked off with which was the which was the ravens were the vanguard of the northern alliance army simply there to slow down and start damaging and defeating and attacking the night stalker horde that was coming on to chill so it's a bit like uh, thermopylae you know the 300 spartans uh, fighting to the death but to slow down this um uh, night stalker horde and you saw we had that great big beautiful gaming table all set up and and, and they valiantly charged in the charge of the light brigade um, and what's going to happen over the next few weeks is there is a there's a each week there is a number of uh, win loss scenarios and depending on the games and the fights and how they play out uh, the stronger the the good win the less traction the void cages get the less damaging there is um and there's there's votes to do it and it's quite interactive it's good fun it's our first one that we're doing this way um i think it'd be a great narrative i just recommend everybody just go sign up even if you just get the emails because the emails are just great stories they're, they're in world and you're gonna only hear the story from one perspective you know if you're in the goodies it's a it's an assault on on everything that's good you know, the messages have gone out. The ravens have been sent out to the dwarves and the elves and say, please come and help us. You know, uh, the Northern Lions is under attack. And if we lose this, the world of Panathor is going to be a much darker place. Uh, and the evil are, you know, marching on and having fun and basically laying waste to everything they can find. Oh, so, that's so exciting, Ronnie. I love the idea. You get it from your perspective. I think that's a fantastic idea. I'm still um, I'm still pretty sure that, is it Tassadar, the leader of the Northern Alliance? Pretty, I still feel like it's a massive pyramid scheme he set up. You know, I've, oh, I've got this mysterious, incredibly <laughs> magical artifact, but you can't see it. So uh, build me this magical city in, in the wastes. <laughs> I'm guessing maybe he is. Who knows? Maybe he's a... Uh, um, uh, but he's not. <laughs> so, uh, so, right, so Ronnie, is Steve Hildrew right? If we um, read Rise of the Celestians, we might figure out what is in Shell that all the big deal is all about. Yeah. So there you I'm go. I'm sure I've got it on there my Kindle. I it, need to get around to it. It's as simple I'm... as that. 
Um, Matt has, now Matt being Matt, has the next five years all in his head. Uh, and he's not told anyone what he is. And then when we sit down to him, so tell us about it, Matt. And he starts telling us this fantastic story. And we go, oh, my God, that's amazing. You know, then there's the Dwarf Civil War kicking off. And why has that happened? And what's under chill? And what's this? And he's got all these books lined up that he's telling them about. And then I have to say, right, now, firstly, how can we play in this playground? Because <laughs> I want people to, like, affect what happens and when it happens and how it happens. So then he, he's a bit curmudgeonly with me. <laughs> Um, and secondly, I said, how do we tell people about it? How how other than just the books can we tell people what's going on? And I think that's why campaigns and army releases are a great way of doing it, because we have the attention. We have everyone looking at Twilight Kin now. Might be for the models, might be for the rules, might be, but you're looking and you're going to find out a bit more about who they are and what they do. And in doing so, you'll find out about... Um, the Twilight Kin and, and yeah, the, the Northern Alliance, the good guys, as well as the bad guys. So I'm just picking my faction now. I've been meaning to do it all day, actually. Uh, Very exciting. Ah. So, yes, um, if you just go to it, Kings of War, if you haven't registered, register. If you have registered, if you've got a vault or you've got a companion um, registration, you know, obviously you don't need a subscription. You just need to have uh, registered so you can just do an army deal. And then you can either click the, the great big butcher that's standing there uh, or you can click the heroic and hardy uh, um, Northern Alliance hero thing, and then you go fight for good or fight for evil, and it looks brilliant. I'd recommend everybody while you're listening to this podcast, run over to your computer in a uh, Kings of War the Game dot com Shadowed Horizons, but just go via Mantic Games, click the companion, um, click on it, and you and actually just says pick one of them, and one of them highlights and darks the other one out. So I've just gone for good. So alignment, good. The campaign hub, your alignment's been chosen. Act two, weather special rule for the week. It's bloody snowing. At the start of each turn, roll a six. New scenario for the week is there. Um, then you've got a decision whether you rest your troops or press on with your force march. And what you do will affect the likelihood of the fight. So there's a whole um, anchor through it. Story so far is there. Narrative of the campaign. Real-time stats about the campaign. Declare a battle. It's where you can relist your armies and games and play a game. All looks absolutely beautiful. Oh, wow, it's come back. Okay, Act 2 is 50-50. We'll probably just kick that off. But um, It almost reminds me of a kind of choose-your-own-adventure book, which I used to read when I was a kid and it yeah. just absolutely loved them. That sounds yeah. amazing. And I we're doing it, but, but what happens will affect the map. Now, you know, the Twilight Kin are coming. That's not an option that, that can be negated out. You know, they've planned long and hard they're coming. But how hard they come and where they come and, and, and some of the other um, distinct outcomes are in the hands of the players. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'll be going to the uh, book two tables at the game shop this Friday. So I'll be bringing four ambush armies and uh, uh, get some games in, submit them on the app. Fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, uh, the um, goodies are doing quite well at the moment. You uh, need a few. Uh, Act one, the goodies one. Force of good 65, force of evil 35. So, you know, we always um, get hung up because we've got more evil armies than good. Uh, neutral guide away but um, at the moment uh, act one um, and you can yeah catch up to speed so even if you've not, not had it just just listen in uh, lots of great great content on the site it's beautiful fantastic hey ronnie how do you feel about the whole good neutral evil alignments do you feel like it does a job I, i'm a bit critical about it to be honest because okay, tell me why. um <clears throat> so i think so if you look at some of the factions like for example basileans are down as good 
if you yeah. read into the law, and obviously it's more interesting this way, they're not really good. So it feels like a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of a sales pitch from the good guys. Yeah. Um, and I think it doesn't. Yeah, we've, t- we've just so, talked about it previously on the pod. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, let me let me give you because it's not it's not a two dimensional thing. It's not good versus evil. There's good, evil and nature. And it's a triangle. And so you fit somewhere within that triangle. And so um, there's races, and these are some of the ones that are coming later, that are, for example, um, necromancy doesn't have to be an evil. Um, hence, hence Jarvis is using it for good. because yeah, of the So because essentially it's a nature, it's the earth that's giving you the magic that's allowing you to raise the undead. So the Ophidians would use them as slaves to build their, you know, slaves. They would use, they would raise skeletons up to build their temples, because so there, it isn't. It's the fact that necromancers are lunatic, um, you know, um, megalomaniac, um, power hungry psychos that when they get the power to raise the undead, they use it to you know bump off the guy next door and 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 steal his. Um, whatever he wants to steal i'm with you and i i think the ophidians even i think they're sort of quite consensual with their oh you know when you when you pass away would you mind being a you know a a sort of a zombie laborer you know yeah that's fine come along we'll just do that we don't do anything thingies with you so 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 you've got to add that third dimension of good evil and nature then you think well actually the dwarfs are kind of good and what what does it mean good it means um uh, they 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 when the threat comes, they kind of square up and fight against the threat. And what is the threat? The threat is um, some of the factions choosing to exert power and change the status quo. Now, it's, it's easy to say, well, the Vassalians aren't very good. Well, they're so good. They're so perfectly good. They so know they're so right. Um, mm, well, nature isn't important. If we have to do something to stop evil from from winning like the abyss by flooding this area, we flood it. And nature says, eh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, do we get a vote on this? Because we don't think that's terribly good. And so it's it, by, by purposely polarizing it on three levels, the, the Basileans have come so much into good. They're so self-righteous that there is no doubt in their mind. And that arguably makes them less good. But what they're doing is fighting against the threat of evil. So they see the world simply through that paradigm, whereas there's, you know, the, the, the trident realm, which is far more nature oriented, the green lady, they're looking for harmony. And actually, sometimes the abyss, well, they're creatures, they do what they want to do. And if they're in balance, it might be the Basileans that are causing a problem. So, so the they nature, may be damming a river or something, and then correct. the Green Lady or, or, or the Trident may go, hang yeah. on a second, yep, we're on, we're, we're, we're siding against the Basilanes now, right. right. And so, and the dwarfs might be mining, and that's fine, and you're taking the resources, and that's kind of where we get, and then they go too far, and they keep pushing it, and then they go, well, you know what, we're not, we're not with you on that. And then they get a Balrog, yeah. Correct. Boom, there you are. Now you're now you're in a game. So so when you hear it on the three on the three angles, good, bad at nature, you then it becomes a lot more contextual because where does the army live in the harmony and balance of it all? How do they see good and evil? And and you know, it's a bit like the the, the lawful chaotic stuff that, that comes. So so when you see it as a triangle, I think it becomes far more um interesting. 
and you can be so good you're almost bad. You Fantastic. can be so neutral, but you're looking and seeking for harmony and therefore good. But similarly, it could be the good guys are doing bad things. So therefore, they're your enemy. So therefore, you're not with them. Fantastic. I always think it's important to have a little look on the, the map of, of Panathor and go, yeah, we're fighting here. And there's a reason why we're fighting. You know, just yeah. a, a very simple one, but just, just some kind of context. We always try and create a little bit of context to our games. I think it makes a huge difference to the immersion. And, and I think the more we can support that through global campaigns and, and you know, largely it's that Basilean, Abyssal, Dwarf, um, uh, up into the chill. You know, that's that's the area that it usually kicks off in. I'd love to see, Ronnie, I, I don't know, you know, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'd love to see, uh, let's say, a Basilean battlefield in a box where, you know, you buy a box and you've got, you know, some lovely Basilean terrain, yeah. Northern Lights terrain. Year, actually, we just couldn't quite pull it off. We ran out of bandwidth. Um, but we, we, we had some, some certainly Kings of War battlefield in a box. And, um, and it's something we might well revisit. Because I, I, I agree with you. I think this takes another o- obstacle away. And now we've got all these exactly. fun trees, which I'm sure, you know, if you saw any pictures from Clash, Table 1 and Table 2 had some stunning terrain on them. And this is all this new, um, we call it Terrain Crate 3, but, you know, the... Um, yeah, yeah I've, I've got two boxes coming, but I went for the trees. I, I, I didn't worry about the um, the other option i think it was yeah. some sort of uh root, roots. but i yeah. love the look of the trees it, yeah. absolutely fantastic stunning and, and i've ordered uh six mats <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but i kind of because you know it's so important to me to you know I, lo- I love this stuff right and i want to grow the community so you know clem and i have talked about this many times it's almost like we're kind of our own we've got resources of our own little gaming club to make sure we can get you know we did last month we ran or month before we ran a 10 person dead zone event in edgestein down the road from me and you know it's important to us that we're able to kind of support these things so it's an investment in our future happiness as we keep saying excellent yes no yeah exactly no and and uh, you know we've got that free rule book which um we've given away and sent away and this is just us acknowledging that we need the community to go and run a game. We need to go back into the gaming stores, particularly in the US, and just let people know we're here, we're bigger than we've ever been, and come join us. You know, we've just had uh, masters and best of the rest in the US, 108 attendees, um, and then we've just beat that with the 148 at Clash of Kings. You know, these are unprecedented numbers. Uh, Chris, Lady of the Lake, ran a great event. Walk Lone Wolf still going strong. Adepticons around the corner. The Spanish guy there. So, you know, we're growing. I just want to wave the flag and do it faster and bigger and better and and, and, and stronger, you know. So your, your your help is hugely appreciated. And uh, I think to every listener, you know, if you if you order from us, just add a free rule book to your game. It comes with some background, all the rules, six army lists, nice ambush size. It's based around the ambush units. Um, obviously, if someone has an existing army, they can just go to the companion and download, you know, put their army in and, and and you can just click it through so all the rules for all the armies are free but having something tactile somehow feels um better particularly after a demo game when someone's on a demo game you can leave them it's like a great calling card um so please recruit a friend just just recruit one person if you go to your local gaming store they might have some in there if they don't they can order them and we'll put them on the next order 
Um, we're trying to get them out in many different ways, but we're just going to go on a big year-long recruitment drive, and it, and it starts with our hardcore fans, such as yourselves, um, um, introducing a friend. Probably what were your, I mean, we're going to talk later about, uh, dear listener, about Clash of Kings, but what were your main takeaways from the, you know, from the weekend? Well, I thought it was remarkably wonderfully well run. I don't like to say nice things about Steve, but I'm going to have to, you know. It stinks um, in the throat, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a little bit sticky, but um, I, I, I also, what, what it allowed us to do, which is what I wanted to, to do, because it was, we're not geared up to run tournaments. We're not very good at it. And people came along and kind of tolerated us being a bit amateurish at it. Um, but I had a load of cool ideas that I wanted to do, but I never got to do because we were organising tables and terrain and um, the logistics and can I have this ticket and everything else. And Steve took all of that off our desk. And so it allowed me in the three months run up to source the, you know, uh, rum artefact which is, you know, the um, Goblin Blaster rum. Uh, and so people that turn up with Mantic Armies to tournaments now get a cool thing. And, and tea for those that don't drink will be in it because it's, it's the artifact that I love about it. It's the fact that it's kind of come from Panathor. Um, it allowed us to get Ronnie the Bard stood done, which is a sculpt for everyone that's got a Mantic Army, just to thank you. Um, and, and, and so we got a, a lot. We got the freedom to do fun things. And by the way, the Clash of Kings is the first of any event next year, you'll be able to access these rewards. I don't quite know how we're going to do the rum because smuggling alcohol is dangerous. But, you know, one of the bards that is anyone that runs a tournament, give them one of these figures. And here's the stat line. It's a joke stat line, of course, but it's good fun. And it's encouraging and rewarding the people doing that bit of mantic hobby that we want them to do. So uh, it's the kickoff point. It's the start, not the end. And so that was what was lovely. It's like this is each year. This will be our year starting point where we'll be rolling cool more stuff out so that was lovely taking that off my off, off us then we could do some fun stuff i thought it was played in such wonderful and friendly atmosphere that speaks this testament to the game but also the community people were there to have fun enjoy themselves roll dice try and win by all means uh, compete you know, old Aussie Walter, who travelled halfway across the world and never played a Kings of War game, he thoroughly enjoyed himself. There was lots of others that played once or twice, thoroughly enjoyed themselves. What a couple. Um, wow. You know, yeah. how welcoming is that community that you can come yeah, along? Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, just, just, from the, just from the podcast, I think there are about four or five listeners who'd never played at a, at a tournament before who came along and, um, you know, we had a lovely old time. Yeah. They're just as you say, just really, really nice people trying to win the game, but you know it's not the it's not the main thing, you know. And because it's a the game is clean and slick, you know everything in your turn, and it's, there's no ambiguity about the rules, and and it's always it's the ambiguity where the fights start. We play it this way in Germany, then we play it this way in France, we play it this way in England. There's always some house rules. Well, there's very few house rules because the rules are unambiguous. They're clean. They're clear. You've got your measuring. You do your stuff. So it it toned down the fraction points, you know, um, the friction points. So one. I've got to be honest, one thing that really got on my nerves, Ronnie, was when you were doing your presentation and there were so many people talking over you. That drove me absolutely crazy. Well, <laughs> me that. too. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hated that. Honestly, I think next year we just have to say, uh, you know, shut up, guys. You know, 
Well, all you're just respect. Good. I mean, they're, it's their Saturday night. It's their fun. We're kind of mildly imposing. I was trying to make it fun and what have you. But similarly, if they want to drink beers and you know they're not interested, they're there for their time. So we could do it in a different way. I'm very happy. I, I, I like to, to chat to everybody and, and, and share a few uh, leaks. I've usually had a few beers by that point. So it's, it's a good fun. But, you know, it, it's for Steve. If he wants to do it in a different way, I'm very relaxed. I'm, I'm there at his... Um, um, at his bidding and, and wherever you want to put me and how you want to put me because you know essentially the the event is about the gate kings of war community having a good time and if very i can enhance well. that i'll be very happy to 100 percent. and um okay and just just uh, appreciate we're, we're taking up a lot of your time ronnie we've just had so on the sci-fi side so dead zone i think is the best game tabletop game i've ever played in terms of game design it's absolutely it's a dream to play it's so good yeah. um we love firefight on this podcast we've just had the command protocols book yeah. we've just had some very you know you've obviously done some very interesting deals with third parties to make sure that you know there are new vehicles in the game and you know yeah. obviously that's that's been important to you from everything you've said previously on other podcasts etc um is there again is there kings of war there's a very clear direction you're going in not just this year next year etc is it the yeah. same with the sci-fi stuff 100 percent. so i love dead zone uh, i agree with you uh, in terms of the cleanliness of the rules first edition came out on the back of a kickstarter good but not quite the clean mm, game that I wanted it to be. Quite quickly, we got a second edition out, and that was when it was right. Yes, of course, it can always be refined and balanced and everything else, but boy, oh boy, was that a slick um, game system. And, you know, no tape measures, no arguments about measuring. <laughs> First game where you can't argue about measuring. Um, let's not forget that. Probably if you did have any arguments at Kings of War, it was when people hadn't marked their units and did a take back. Um, not a problem in Dead Zone. Um, so, beautiful, beautiful game. And then, as you knew, as I probably, if you were around at the time, you know, the plan was Dead Zone, would you'd start building and then you paint a few more figures than you intended to, and before you know it, you're halfway to a firefight force. But then the game we wrote for firefight was nothing like Dead Zone. It didn't resonate with it back in 2018. And... So I was never quite happy with where we'd got it because it wasn't a linear growth process. And then, of course, because I'm a nutter, I always wanted to do the apocalypse-level games, the warpath level games, at 28 mil with 600 tanks. Um, not well, you're a gamer. You're in, you're, obviously, you're a professional, but you're you're a gamer at heart, aren't you? Let's yeah, be honest, absolutely. Ronnie, so Yeah, and one of my, you know, one of my... Anyway, uh, it's always somewhere I've hankered to is large battles. Even, you know, I think one of the Stratlands Kings of War early on was, you know, big armies, big battles. And I still yearn to it. I still, if you said, right, you've got a weekend, what do you want to do, a tournament or a big battle? I'd always go big battle. Um, Andy Shaw picked up that mantle of, as a rule, he was on the rules committee with Rob and a few of the others uh, um, to make firefight the logical next step after playing Dead Zone a lot. And he nailed it. But in doing so, he became a games designer, not a rules committee. And the first thing that happens is when you become a game designer, you write the game that you that you you write it the way you think people are going to play it. And what rules committees do is they're the first of the uh, gamers that they get hold of it and they go, well, this is going to break and that's going to break and tear this apart. So that when it actually comes out, it's... Uh, it's had its first level, maybe even its second level of breaking, and it's been fixed. So it's quite hard. So now 
by the end of next year, by the middle of next year, whatever little matters we've got wrong in our Kings of War rule books, the tournament community will have found it out and will be exploiting the everything out of it, you know, and building spam lists and what have you. And so, and then we have to put a new, <laughs> um, you know, Clash of Kings book out to just just pull back from the little tweaks that have become major irritants and so i thought the first time when we re-released firefight i thought it was a beautiful game i think it was super slick very good fun very characterful felt very manticky very um intuitive fast but there was just a few things in it that weren't quite right there was there was open to abuse and open to a little bit of play so this i now feel that contain protocols is the 2.0 like dead zone was is the 2.0 of firefight the true version of firefight now we've got it, I can I can talk about it and be very proud of it. Whereas when I'm selling something that I just know isn't quite right, I struggle. Just because I know I can't put plastics behind it and everything else, because the first thing people say is, this isn't quite right. Now you can't do that. So do we have releases? Yeah, the, path, the Enforcers are getting support in December. Um, the Night Stalkers are coming into the firefight. I think that might be a reveal. Oops, I don't know if supposed to have said that, uh, but they're coming. <laughs> so, so there's a whole ton of support. You, the tanks. I mean, I'm going to do a big video blog on it this week or next. But the the conversion sets on the tanks are just fantastic, and all of a sudden you can properly pay mechanized sci-fi warfare. And I don't know if there's any game out there at 28 mil certainly that does that. There just isn't. Not and, at Mantic prices, there's not. Okay, okay, maybe there is um, some others out there, but I'm not going to give the air of time. But yeah, so there's... Yeah. Um, I well, think, it, I think and and if you talk about that other big game, it's not yeah. mechanised. It's a skirmish game with occasional bits of tanks. It's a, a, a Panzer Grenadier level... Not. Ah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. Sorry, it's I'm, been a while. It's it's been a long old while. I think eighth, yeah. eighth edition was the last time I played. And sometimes it, so. they bring them up and then they nerf them straight away because they don't want you playing with vehicles. In that sense, they want one or two alongside 40, 50 figures. And you know what we've done with firefighters is we've now said, look, you've got 40 figures, you've got two tanks. Add six more tanks. By tanks, I mean vehicles. You know, and I and and here's how they, here's how a battalion, a regiment of tanks. These three. Here's the command tank. Here's off-field barrages. Here's anti-tank weapons. And again, by tanks I mean vehicles. But you know, here's mechanized infantry. Uh, here's mechanized units fighting in fun, unusual ways. And it, will, but because the game system is so brilliant, it just scales into this space seamlessly. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah, army building that. is better. The command points are better. So it just, it's a super slick, very, very nice game. Now it's there. Boy, are we going to go after it? You better believe we are. Great to hear, Ronnie. I can feel your passion when you're talking about these big games. I can feel your passion and excitement. And it's, um, yeah, it's just talking to another gamer rather than talking to the owner of the company. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's fantastic. Hey, Ronnie, we've just talked about big battles. Yeah. Maybe we could talk a tiny bit about tiny battles. Tiny, ba- tiny big battles. <laughs> tiny, tiny epic battles. Yeah. Well, the response was unbelievable. Uh, thousands of people voted i mean literally thousands does it surprise um, you ronnie when that happens does it still surprise you yeah yeah it does that many because you know for every one that voted there's four that's gone yeah, yeah absolutely but i'm not gonna yeah i don't so yeah it did it really did um and yes please do it do plastic we'd love to play that game uh, it was unequivocally the answer 75 percent and some people saying uh they're quite a sizable chunk saying um I, don't, I want my STLs, please. 
Um, so we're just we're going to chat down. We, you know, we've got lots of the sculpting already done. We've got the game written, as you know. We've got the scenery sorted out because we need different scale scenery. So we've got to make that part of the release so that it can be done. Um, but I, I think it's going to be on the release schedule. You know, it was very much a please, please, sir, can, can you do that for us? Uh, of course, great opportunity for us to dive into the firefight universe in a great way and in a way that I think is um, appeals to the vet gamer. You know, it's not it's not going to be a, a massive um, retail game. I think it's going to be a, a vet gamer. I think it's but I think we're going you know, to create lots of noise. There was clearly a lot of passion for it. So, yeah, let's do it. You know, the people have the rules. They loved what we'd done. Um, you know, the D8s, the command dice, the army selection was brilliant. So let's find a way of making it happen. We've done very well with Armada, and that very added a new exciting. dimension to to the Panithor world. Very exciting, yeah, fantastic. Hmm. Hmm. And um, Clem, I think this is your chance, buddy. Small scale Kings of War, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, at some point. It's just going to take us time to uh, to get it right. And to it was when I was talking about these other projects. I don't just want to go, here's exactly the same armies in exactly the same format, playing exactly the same kind of battles, smaller. I want to tell some more of the story with it. Let's open up some other areas of Panithor. Let's let's go and investigate some of those other armies that we've not done yet. But let's give you a direction of travel. So like we did with, uh, you know, Armada, I think, opened up um, the whole, the other half of the planet, you know, the, the whole sea fairing and... Um, Twilight Kin first appeared in uh, Armada, you know, in uh, in their current guise. We did a lot of design work with them in, in Armada and any you know, Dungeon Saga before they've now come out to a full launch. And so I'm I, I, very keen to do it. There's a lot of love for it. A lot of people have spoken to me about it. So, yes, we've now got a tool maker that I feel that I can trust to make plastics of the quality we want. So let's get our heads down and let's make it something interesting uh, as well as Kings of War in, in whatever scale, epic scale. That sounds amazing. And one yeah. day I'm looking forward to your ship-to-ship space combat game, which I'm imagining in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as I live and breathe, we're joined by our good friend Steve Hildrew. Steve, wow. thanks for joining us. Hello. Um, we we deliberately schedule the pod when <laughs> Steve is busy, when we know Steve is busy. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've said all the nice things we're saying about him now it can be horrible yeah steve we did you won't believe this but uh because it, it doesn't sound I unbelievable we were saying nice things about you that seems unlikely Apparently, I, steve they weren't yeah <laughs> <laughs> but steve now i know you're lying i worry <laughs> how your life may have peaked <laughs> well, yeah uh surely um Many, many years ago, I feel. <laughs> been a, been a oh, I was thinking of after then. last weekend. Oh, that yeah. Well, no, it did. It was nice, wasn't it? But you know, I had a relatively small part to play in what was a very big group effort. I feel so. I'm very much indebted to a lot of people. Tell you who I'm not indebted to is the cast of Mantic Universe podcast, who uh, wandered in when we were halfway through setting up, and then just sat around chatting while we kind of sweated around them, putting out tables and things. And then, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was an amazing group of it. What, what, what a weekend, right? It was awesome. He's not lying, dear listener. We did do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you even made it there. 
you were pretty much in Mantic the whole time I was there. I came from my office yeah, and yeah, to yeah. my desks and uh... <laughs> And I've been having a brilliant time with tonsillitis and gout. And gout is oh, very much gout. one of those old man illnesses. Yeah, I made it. Yeah. I had gout the whole time, so uh, you know that wasn't tremendous. Okay. But I made it. I made it. I did help with uh, with the putting stuff away, though, Steve. You'll be pleased to hear. Did I'm very grateful. Thank you. I once um, talking about Ronnie's office. I once stole something inadvertently from Ronnie's office without realizing realizing I did. The first time I met him, and I nicked something off his desk, thinking it was mine. Yeah, Ronnie's wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out uh, empty. Fantastic. So, um, and Ronnie, sorry, just to, I know we've taken up an awful lot of your time and we're extremely okay. grateful. What can you tell us? Uh, Mantic board game division is a thing. Worms is a thing. You've had a couple of dice games recently, which yeah. lead me to believe I, and I hope that maybe the walking dead is coming back in some, in some fashion but um maybe you yeah. could talk to us a little bit about the board game di- division and how that's uh helping you keep your focus on on the main games maybe yeah well it just it was that so the stuff that was it worked for two ways i think one was which when we were going if you go back dso and um uh, to dungeon saga warpath dead zone twice on kickstarter kings of war t- once once twice once i think um walking dead but it was a miniatures game very much everything we're doing was miniature centric and, and and Mars attacks. All of those were all about toy soldiers, um, perhaps dressed slightly differently in Mars attacks or Walking Dead, but it was um, there were miniature games. Hellboy was still a miniatures game because it was um, it was essentially a dungeon crawler, but with a nice um, you know it, it was all about a miniature. I was having to have these conversations with companies with great licenses we're working we're really well with but i couldn't make a miniatures game out of it and so i had to say well i'm either going to limit myself to you know three or four more miniature game licenses or we can find some other way of doing it but i also wanted to signify to all the people that have been on the journey with us so far that this may or may not appeal to you you know uh, umbrella academy is a great little board game it's a family board game worms i think even more so and and worms is it's nearly a miniatures game <laughs> you are you're shooting each other with grenades and rocket launchers and throwing things on each other and there's a little bit of of wackiness with it um slightly less dice normally than than, than we normally use but it's you know it's a pvp pvp game um but we were excluding ourselves from fun things from light conversations and from some some other creativity but at the same time i want to say look it's our board game division it's not our kings of war firefight war games division so if it's not your thing i understand don't you know don't feel obliged um similarly there's lots of other people who don't know mantic from adam um terrain create one backers that that, that play D. They've never heard of Mantic, but they've backed this terrain crate thing. They've now got loads of really nice, highly detailed quality, indestructible, um, you know, plastic dungeon doors and dungeon adventures and treasure that they play their D&D game with. And they'll never play. So I just wanted to kind of coordinate off and say there's going to be some fun things in here. We think you'll like them because we like them, but you might not. 
and can we, don't beat can us we up just, too badly for it. Ronnie, can we just so I like the idea. I like what uh, what you're saying. It makes sense. One thing we've discussed previously on the pod. So when Mantic Board Game Division was uh, you know was announced, we were sort of speculating that this might be a way for Mantic, as you said, you're not going after your core customers who already war gamers right so we were kind of thinking maybe you go after teenagers yeah you know people who haven't played you know the other game or something yeah. like that get them in playing hey this is a fun game oh by the way mantic also make these other great games and yeah. just get people in at the beginning of the pipe if that makes yeah. sense yeah and i certainly think to an extent things like the dice card games is a great way um, I mean, Dungeon Saga, which isn't bother board games, is actually, but it has drawn from our knowledge of what we learn in board games. You know, Dungeon Saga Origins is the game that I want you to play, that I wanted to play with my kids and I hadn't built it because I played Dungeon Saga with them, but it was too hard to set up and it was just a bit fiddly. And, and Dungeon Saga Origins is, is to get you before you played anything else or to get your gaming group to try it. And it doesn't necessarily lead to Kings of War, but if we imagine to Dead Zone, <laughs> your, your son or daughter might say, "That was good fun, Dad. What's what's next?" You say, "Well, how about we paint eight or nine figures each, and I've got this terrain here that looks really good, and the rules are really clear." So, yes, but not explicitly, not not overtly, like yeah. do that and then come down. I just think it makes us more uh, well known. Uh, it opens doors to us with with other channels. So you know, yesterday um, a Thai distributor has taken a license to sell worms in his country, so he's going to translate it and sell worms. Fantastic. And then when we do a future product, we can go back to him and say, "Hey, would this product be of interest?" Now, if I turn up and show them Kings of War and say, "Would this be of interest?" They go, "No, I have no idea what you're talking about. No one even does that. Uh, what is it, you lunatic?" Um, but you know. There might be other, but let's say we get The Walking Dead back and they might go, oh, you know what? Yeah, we could do that in our country. And then suddenly they are playing with toy soldiers. And then then from there, they discover Dead Zone or they discover some of the other games we do. So I think all of it, it's one of those, um, as long as it's clear and it's and it's uh, fair and reasonable and people understand the message, you might like it, you might not my kings of war crowd my fair firefight crowd you know it, it might be for you it might not some things will slightly cross the bridge because the world is not quite as black and white as that you know dso uh, uh barroom brawl you know our advent calendar is is as appealing for D players as it is for you know the kings of war crowd um but because every good adventure starts in a in a um in a bar in a tavern um, <laughs> So yeah, so so we're just trying to make ourselves a little bit bigger and using that to allow us to then offer more products to more people more often, open doors and so on and so forth. And we've got some very cool things coming next year that actually are in the hobby division, but the worms doors that it's opened will will make it more successful. Fantastic, and obviously the crowdfunding, the Kickstarters, etc., still has a place within the Mantic business model. Well, there's no, I mean, why we're not known for Worms. Worms is not currently like a, um, a, a, a big thing. So you need to talk to as bigger audience as you possibly can in a way that they can share the story. You can tell tell the story. I mean, I think it was miraculous that we were doing that with Twilight Kid. That was because Worms came a little bit later and so on and so forth. But, you know, we've managed to communicate two pretty big messages over the last four weeks. 
and the team have done a brilliant job doing it while while doing a global campaign and the Clash of Kings with with Steve. So you know, pretty amazing. And that's because you know we've got a platform there that allows us to talk to a global audience and and um, and talk to them all in a really clear, well laid out, formulaic way, outside of of getting our message just past our our own you know newsletter backers. So it does. It's, it's very, very valuable for us. It allows us to go and have a print run. We've now got the translations being done, and therefore that'll be hitting shelves in the summer next year. And you know, it'll be a pretty big game. Um, and hopefully, the little flyer that we put in will, will attract lots and lots more Kings of War and Firefight players. Fantastic. I definitely think there's something to that, even if it's quite, you know, a, a different gaming experience is, you know, Mantic being known for quality and good value. And, you yeah. know, you you do build these um, these kind of feelings for, for, for companies. Sorry, Steve, go for it, buddy. That's all right. I was just running, Ronnie, because that listen to you talk then. I wonder, and this is, you know, you can tell me to bugger off for asking well, this I question. Will bugger off by my question as well. <laughs> How far ahead do you plan? this stuff because we know you know you kind of hinted at the year ahead for kings of war do you have like a whole year mapped out three years kind of what you know what what kind of horizon are we looking to here if i am doing my job properly and this is when we we started the for the people that started the podcast on time and we discussed this um the the pandemic somewhat knocked me out of my stride and instead of us being six to 18 months ahead uh, everything shrunk because all of a sudden we had three months of releases, you know, in March, April, May of 2020 that we didn't release. <laughs> and then, you know, the June came out, but was, well, should we release the March stuff or should we release the June stuff? And so all of a sudden the, the kind of, and what materials can we work in? Well, you can't bring anything in from China because the boats are £20,000 each instead of £2,000. So the economics were totally screwed. So there was just a whole load of, but we're just now coming out of this, nearly very so this year was pretty much what we said it was going to be um and we pretty much got most of the things right in the right order we did most of it communicated most of it pretty well um, we, and you know you can this is the beginning of the podcast the ones we got wrong but i think next year it's planned they're working on it it feels very strong and my head's turning towards the end of next year and 2025 and i'm trying to make sure that what we're really doing is when we started what we're saying how everything was coming together and feels like it's got real momentum again and and that's i think yeah. that comes from having really strong focus on knockout products that maybe we go oh my god that's brilliant and and i can't do that in less than 12 or 18 months i've, I've never seen uh, as many people excited about a miniature launch as i have around twilight king you know people that i've never even heard of talking about it online so it's think, think it's you've really hit the right spot with that one Perfect. Good. Yeah. And I think that just takes time. Uh, you know, it takes talent and money and love and passion and time enough to get it wrong and get it done again. You know, they went through three or four passes of, you know, and Luigi's in a proper top drawer sculptor. But to get that aesthetic and really make it work, um, it's easy to say, oh, you know, we wanted to look like cool this, that and the other and then some drawings. But then to turn that drawing into a model that can be made in plastic, you know, all of these processes, things can fall down. 
Another yeah. thing, Ronnie, is, I, and I really think it is important because you've got one sculptor, you can see that the, you know, the style of the even between armies is kind of similar. So, you know, as I was saying earlier, it looks like they belong on the same table, even though they're halflings and Riftforge orcs. It, they look very, very cool on the table together. Yeah, and originally I was thinking it would be quite good fun to have every designer do a different army each and use use different ones. But you're right. What you then what you then lack is this cohesive whole. Exactly. Um, and exactly. and so it, well, we do occasionally use others. And with Walking Dead, we use two. But because we had such a strong aesthetic, they, this was the house style on that game. And I think even Completely. now we can use others a little bit with Kings of War. But because we have such a strong house style, and Matt and Dave are there policing that. Um, and what you know, largely we don't need to because Luigi does it all, and, and that's what we work to. But if we said, okay, let's get a couple more models, we could use designers, but they've now got to fit the house style that we know we've got, and, and we want to build those gaming tables to to have that feel and and. Um, it's all yeah. cohesive. Yeah, it makes yeah, perfect cohesive. sense. Yeah. Mark and Clem, anything to uh, a, a, anything to ask or anything to touch on? Maybe quickly, the, um, just want to um, report the like the Night Stalker, the, the Twilight King models. Um, I think the pictures on the website just don't do justice to the actual models. And so I I would like to see more pictures of them on the yeah. website. Or maybe if you guys could send a couple of boxes to good painters um, to just paint like a different style, different, uh, and put those models out there because they are so good. They can't be hidden be- behind just one yeah. official picture on the website. So yeah. Martin's actually sent sent 10 sets out to 10 great painters and some of them you've already started seeing. And we're going to do a big swoop and put all of those up. And I think we do need um, yeah more art, more paint jobs. And, um, and, and the sprues, I, I always, I don't know why we don't put the sprues up on the uh, on the website because the sprues are, are fantastic to look at. So that, I'll, I'll, Clem, I'll be doing that tomorrow morning, first thing. That's great because again, like I've seen them um, in in Nottingham in person, yeah, and just they were they're mind blowing models. Like yeah. literally, the paint job is really nice, and the skulls are amazing. And when you look at the website picture, like. Oh yeah, well that's nice. It's kind yeah, of a yeah. blob of nice grey really and purple. Yeah, you don't. Get you that you can't understand this. And so, for me, when I see the pictures, like, oh, I know they are really good, and I'm gonna get some. When I talk with people in my gaming group or like um, online, like, yeah, I've seen the pictures. They're like, okay, I guess. Like, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah, They're yeah. so much better than this. Yeah, and yeah. So well, it's kind of sad. You have an amazing product. You need, yeah. yeah. Now the saying always anyway. goes that. Uh, you know, good photographers should make an average miniature look good. We, we, we seem to have the, the, some, some talent of making great miniatures look okay. And uh, that's pretty dumb. So um, I, 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 I'm going to be digging into it tomorrow. Uh, we, we had to get it up last week. and We've been super busy with uh, the Worms Kickstarter and just getting these up. But there are plenty more to come. This is great to hear, Ronnie. Yeah. That's, and I always say... I look at, if I look, I'm just on the butchers page now and you just look at those and they're just much better. You know, there's just much. I don't know quite how we've loaded it up in such a way that you can't get the the size and the scale at the way we want. Yeah. Yeah, and you are okay. directly competing with GW, who you know they make good models. You know, they make not do other things so well, but they make great models and they take amazing pictures of those models. 
yeah, yeah. beautiful painting, drawn some beautiful paintings. So no, we'll um, yeah, fair, fair criticism, and we'll look into it. Super, thanks, Ronnie. That's brilliant, Mark. There what can go. you add? Yeah. Well, I know Ronnie, you got a hard stop coming up, so real. Oh quick. yeah, okay. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta gotta remind you of that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, I was getting carried away. I mean, it's um, my wife will just um, I, I worked all last weekend and weekend before, I and mean, America next weekend, weekend after. So, occasionally she occasionally demands that the um, we have some family time. Yeah, Sounds absolutely. fair to be fair, Ronnie, doesn't it? Just a little follow up. <laughs> it's a reasonable request. Just a little follow-up from your talk uh, at Clash of Kings. So um, you said uh, the Trident Whelms are coming out, but I didn't hear any mention of Placoderms. Is that something I could drag out of you? Is that might we get a frame of those? Or uh... I think we're going. I think we're going frog, frog, and double frog. Um, so we'll check. I'll check. But I don't think they're the plastics. And the plastics are the River Guard and the big uh, frogs. Big frogs on frogs. Dambusters, yeah, the dambusters, I think. And, and a whole load of fun. They are going to be the equivalent of the dwarfs on ravens. We're going to have mortars, howders, all manner of kind of funky stuff going on there. And I think that's where the creative juices are flowing. Uh, I know you mentioned it, but, you know, sometimes you hold things back. So I figured you were visiting us. You might want to add yeah. something else. And speaking of adding something else, there were two mystery things on your chart. Oh, go ahead. Which Ronnie is it that holds things back? I'm not familiar with this one. Is it a different <laughs> Ronnie? <laughs> I don't know. Ronnie, uh, well, Ronnie can be reserved here and there, so. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Ronnie, it was me who stuck up for you. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Mark. Exactly that. And you've nicely deflected me answering the questions I wasn't going to answer, so that was good. Um, <laughs> so, but there were two little icons on your um uh presentation yeah uh, that were there and uh two of them people can't figure out so that we've been talking about and those are in the middle right and the lower right so is there any uh anything you can shed any light you can shed on those or um well i'd have to say it mark it was a long time ago i'd had a lot to drink <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, i remember you saying one of them shouldn't have been up there but uh, funny, yeah. i've heard of playing dumb but playing drunk <laughs> <laughs> fantastic yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to speculate wildly i mean plastic uh matsudan would be amazing and i think that's a cipher but i i may well be wrong but yeah another another hard plastic kit for the um, plastic hysterians yeah yeah. Mm, yeah yeah the um the uh marionettes that you have already are are brilliant they're so fun to paint they they're fantastic um but yeah, Styrians have a big range, and uh, I think that would be fantastic, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Mm. And some of that lines up with all we talk about with Firefight and Dead Zone getting a lot of love. You know, they're now Absolutely. in great places because it's covering two gaming systems, and, you know, uh, we just need to get behind it. And, you know, I think uh, Containment Protocols is the, is the is the launch event for us now being able to um, really kick it up. Very exciting. Ronnie, is there anything we haven't asked you that you would like to be asked? No, no, I've had a lovely time. I mean, I think you please do go have a look at the uh, Shadowed Horizons, even if just to follow the story. If you're not going to get a game, sign up, come on the journey with us. Um, I think you'll 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 get a bit more love for the Panathor as well as for the game. Those that are there. Um, if and you want dear to get listener, a 
Yep. Sorry, sorry, Ronnie, go for it. No, 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 I was going to say, and then uh, we're running out of advent calendars. We've managed to get a few going across to America, so those that didn't want to order directly, and there's a few going there, and there's a few going into Europe, but it's very much a splash launch this year, and uh, if you want a piece of gaming history, this is going to be, I think, probably 10 years from now, um, one of those things that you'll be very glad you uh, picked up. So uh, for your listeners, that you know, you guys, we, we get out of context, but, you know, when I started playing with Citadel Miniatures, um, uh, it was a very small company, <laughs> a very small company. Um, and and now the people that are playing it, you know. Uh, so while it feels like I've been going a while, I think people that are in this club are in the Kings of War and the Firefight and the Mantic journey quite early on. I think 10 years from now, just imagine where we could be. If we keep doing these summer campaigns, the story keeps going on, the games keep getting better and better. More people are playing with miniatures, more people are playing games. Um, um, wow, wouldn't it be exciting? So I think your your listeners are, are not quite in the beginning, but they're in a part where it really starts getting fun. So, um, yeah, come join us. Yeah, dear listener, please uh, go to the Mantic website, order yourself a lovely box of models and uh, add the, uh, the the free rule book into your order and uh, just uh, talk to your friend and uh, share the fun and you'll have an extra person to play with. It's win-win. Exactly. Right. We should get, we should get um, a uh, Mantic Universe podcast discount code is what we should get. Get a little kit back in there. So I'm just oh, saying. is that a yeah, thing? Let's do that. Let's do that. Email me tomorrow, Steve, and we'll get one sorted out for you for your next, uh, either this show or the next one. I shall immediately delegate that to Chris. Chris, email him tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> awesome job, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well done, Steve. There you go. Yeah, fantastic. Honestly, I just put on the biggest Kings of War tournament ever run. Weedle a little disco now. Anything? What, what else do you want? I'll, do, I'll get anything. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. we need to give you a basketball and you'd, you know, right? just instantly, you know, yeah, throw it through the hoop. If that's the right <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, super. Uh, Ronnie, it's been, honestly, it's been a privilege having you on the show. Um, it's been fascinating talking to you. Um, please keep doing what you're doing. We love Mantic. Um, I, to me, the, the, the best thing you ever did was actually the rules committees, you know, and yep. sort of almost uh, giving, giving that to the players. It just means that your games are... The, you know they they are just the best and uh yes and we're we're very very happy to be on this journey with you yes you very much that's actually questions thank you for everybody um coming along on this journey with us and yeah, the rules committees are superstars we're not say anything nice about steve but the people that organize the tournaments yeah we are a we are a, a a company that stands on the shoulders of giants you know and um and that that's what makes us unique and interesting. It's sometimes bloody hard. It's like, you know, sometimes wrestling with pack of wolves, but the end result is invariably worth it. And that's how you end up with, you know, the U S masters and clash of Kings uh, with 150 people having an absolute blast. That's why we've just got the twilight kid coming out and we're having a lot of fun. So hopefully the next 12, 18 months and beyond will just be a, a, a nonstop fun extravaganza. <laughs> let's hope so fantastic ronnie thank you so much for joining us gosh okay so we're nearly two hours into the pod which even for us that's uh <laughs> that's getting up there so we're gonna have to cut a few corners guys on the rest of the podcast okay fantastic so i'll say um, goodbye to you all and then i'm sure i'll see you all or speak to you all soon and then will i see you at essen chris um is that uh let's we'll just we'll talk offline 
All right then. Well, everybody, thanks everybody. Thanks for backing in on the Cheers, panel. Ronnie. Thanks. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Clem. See you soon. Bye bye. Thanks, Bye bye. Ah, super. Yeah, that ah, was, Ronnie Renton. What a treat, ladies and gentlemen. Ronnie what a treat Renton. that was. Fantastic. There we go, guys. Yeah. What was the? Um, was there anything? I mean, obviously, Night Stalkers in coming to Firefight. That's exciting. Um, I think it's something that's been rumoured, and it. But to me, it just makes an awful lot of sense, right? That's fantastic news. Uh, excellent. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Apologies once again for being so late. Um, I, I don't have a good excuse other than I was playing with my children. I, I was being a father that is for a good, one. That, that is a good excuse, Steve. That is a good excuse. We were, we were playing. Best excuse. Excuse. I we were playing a game which I bought drunkenly uh, in a bar at Clash of Kings from uh, a chap called Jez, who was the original Macwa off of Macwa's Potion of the Caterpillar. Um, so I don't know if you guys met him or not, but he's a superb gentleman. He's designed this cool game, which is like multiplayer connect four. Anyway, we were, we were playing that um, multiple times and it was really good fun. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I bought a copy of that myself and brought it home. So Oh yeah, we played it. Oh geez. I think we played it Thursday night and Friday night. It's called Kukulkan. So, yeah. Kukulkan. Yes. A very, very good game. I enjoyed the hell out of it. (laughs) You get better as you go. It's like Kings of War. Uh, The army doesn't win. The general wins. So, as I proved at the Clash of Kings. Kings. Mm. Have you talked about your Clash of Kings uh, journey yet? Your particular Uh, journey, Mark? It has all been all Ronnie all the time for two hours. So I what hope the surprise. listeners enjoyed the heck out of that. Uh, we have a, a lot of show to run unless we decide to make it a short. So, <laughs> oh, I, so I, I'd like to, I think this is a great story, which is very fun. So um, you, you all know Mark Zielinski. Mark Zielinski is very famous because uh, he came to Clash of Kings and um, I promised I would give him my army. So I had the people on my YouTube channel choose uh, which of the Riftforge lists I, I could field. I'd come up with three, uh, one of which was easy to use, one of which was kind of a bit silly, and one of which was my tournament list, which is pretty good list, but it's really hard. And uh, pretty much everyone said, give him the tournament list. So poor old Mark landed and was handed a list with five flyers in it and all sorts of fiddly characters and all sorts of spells. And uh, how did that go, Mark? I did okay. I was two and three. Um uh, my first game against Chris, I completely forgot to use any of my magical artifacts and had no idea how the Rift Forgers worked. So, thank <laughs> goodness you did. I'm like, this is the core of the army. He's like, yeah, cool. I'm not going to use that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, about... Um, what was it? Game four? I think it was game four when I really learned how to use the <laughs> Rift Forgers. So I, I figured out what little power bases they were and how to use them properly. So, uh, but game five, I tried uh, tweaking things out. I had a mirror match and got crushed, but then uh, had absolutely the funnest game I've ever had in a tournament. No offense, Chris, uh, against Heather in game six. And uh, oh, what a blast that was. So much fun. I, 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 my face hurt from laughing so much. So it was exactly what I needed at that point. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I ended up two and three. I didn't do so bad, but again, that's what shows you it's the general, not the list. So, 
you can give uh, anybody an awesome list, and it's just how how it gets played. Yeah, I, I, apparently so on the on the stream mark. So I I couldn't watch it all the way through. It, I, I I must admit it's a bit of it's a difficult watch because they're sort of like what is Chris doing, um, but I did sort of skip through it, and um, it was interesting because they was they were implying that actually your little your little heroes were really scary and fighty. Um, but I didn't know that either. So they were like, oh, okay. Well, they, <laughs> Neither could, did I. they could possibly <laughs> kill Shobik. And, uh, you know, I had Shobik sitting there, not doing anything. You had a flag, because I was, I was watching the strike. I jumped on the stream a couple of times. And there was a bit where I was like, wow, if Chris knows what he's doing, he's going to jump Shobik out of that fence and surge him in. And lo and behold, you did. And then you cocked up the surge rolls. So he was just left kind of staring into blank space. And I was like, now's the time for Mark to jump on him with the Rift Forges. And then Mark didn't. And I was like, to be honest, if I knew, I would have told Mark, I didn't know either. I thought they were like little rubbish support heroes. Um, And Steve, one thing I did want to ask. So there was a, there was a big debate about my um, guardian archers. And they were like, uh, why is he, why is Chris not moving the guardian archers up yet? So, they, they've got pot shots, so uh, and their shooting is pretty pretty darn good. So I don't want to move them. I I just kind of surge them a bit every now and again if I feel fancy. Um, should I have at some point? It sounds like I should have been more aggressive with them. But uh, maybe you can just explain that to me. Um, I I don't remember that bit to be honest. I think um, because part of the the joy of enslaved guardian archers is that you can you can surge and shoot with no penalty. Right. Yeah. So you don't uh, trigger the pot shot exactly. So there's no pot shot. In fact, they, they, none of that kind of nonsense. But um, I'm, I can't remember. Are they good in combat as well? Let's have a quick look. Yeah, uh, they are pretty good. Yeah, they're crush one, hitting on fours. So in combat, they're hitting on fours. In shooting, they're hitting on fives. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're pretty better good in combat. So, so mm. you know what I would be. I mean, I, 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 I've never even opened the boxes and boxes of EOD I've got. Um, <laughs> but I would imagine that. The way you would play them would be to to surge them up each turn um, to, yep. to to the point Makes where sense. you can because you can even literally shoot point blank range with them at someone because they've got this thirty inch shooting which is outrageously far. It is outrageous, um, and then so you, you can, can presumably surge into combat. So the dream is you yeah. shoot and fight in the same turn. Exactly that, but um, I, I would I would have kept them back myself as. Well, to be honest, I, they're not something I'm like there for the front line of combat, maybe a second or third line. But yeah, I mean, I know we're talking about you won, right? So yeah, you obviously, whatever you did was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have kept, I, I would have kept them back as well. To me, they're heavy machine guns. I mean, I, I use them a lot and they've got what Pierce two. So, I mean, you know, that's better than crush one in my opinion. So um, just roll the dice. I couldn't touch them. They were back there irritating the absolute living bejeebas out of me. I couldn't figure out a way besides a blind rush to get in there. To me, they they played fine. And that, that's how I play them against Colin. So I love them. So that 30-inch range is, you know, uh, absolutely wonderful. So, but... Uh, I was terrified of your, your Speed 10 flying Manticore things. Quite rightly so, to be fair. Yeah, until they well, broke I, I upon your units and did nothing. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, and the hammers. You did the right thing. You smashed them into the left-hand flank. I remember you just had a horde, and he, all he had was a chariot, and that horde was going to eat that chariot. And then 
I, I can envision them sweeping across the rest of the army, but then they didn't seem to sweep across the rest of the army. Whatever, I, I don't know how Chris managed to foil foil that brilliant strike that you did. But uh, it's called my dice. Uh, okay, well, hey, I was blaming the dice now, guys. Just FYI, you know that's. Uh, I am not blaming the dice. That's my <laughs> usual. That is the way I usually roll. So if you saw the T-shirt I was wearing, <laughs> so that's how I roll with all the three dice with ones on every face. But uh, absolutely, no, it was just typical for the way that I roll and uh, play. So and it, it it pretty much hung on there for a good punch of the tournament. But uh, I did have some good parts. But yeah, no, I went in there nerf hammered and. You know, so, but uh, it always works out better in your head than it does on the table sometimes. But I had so much fun. We played on that table one. We were streaming. So if you want to check that out, Chris will put the link in the show notes. And uh, Nick Williams did one heck of a job on that table. It was such a pleasure to play on that table. So we were king for the day, weren't we, Mark? Or at least for the morning. King for round one. It was great. And then I took my rightful place on table 64. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, it was so much fun. And um, mm. uh, Clem, how was your experience at Clash of Kings? It was um, a <clears throat> pretty cool weekend. Um, a lot nicer than Cardiff for the venue and everything. Because... Um, I mean, Cardiff was nice already. Like it was the biggest, uh, biggest tournament I've been to for Kings of War uh, at that point. So that was an experience. But you have to admit that uh, Steve did a pretty good job for for this one, and so it was just a very enjoyable weekend, playing a bunch of games. Um, I did pretty well overall. Uh, mostly my dice. <laughs> that was really embarrassing. Um, you know, when your dice are just super hot, like to the point where Steve had to roll one of mine at some point to check the, and he got a one, so I was allowed to keep playing with them. Um, but um, no, it, it was a really, really cool weekend. Um, my only regret is I wish we, we had some time to play some ambush, but uh, yeah, there was so much stuff to do everywhere all the time uh, that we didn't manage to do that. But um, yeah, Steve. For next year, please, uh, please also have some space and and time for ambush games. So wh- why not some dead zone as well? You know, uh, might as well enjoy all of the all of the games while we're here. When are you proposing we play those uh, specifically? <laughs> I was Friday thinking night? Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Let's oh make it a twelve God. day weekend. Yeah. I mean, you you rent the venue twenty for twenty four, like it's a twenty four hour thing. So all night long ambush tournament. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I think um, I mean, the the idea was that we have um, you know, Saturday evening for for gaming, but then we were running late, so we got up there an hour late, and then Ronnie did his talk for like an hour and a half, and then we had the quiz, and so by the time we finished all of that, it was like half nine, and people were starting to get tired. So um, yeah. I think we need to kind of look at the scheduling. I think <clears throat> there's a couple of things that didn't go quite as, as well as planned. So, you know, we uh, we didn't realize how long data entry would take. We fixed it by day two, but it meant, you know, we had that fire alarm. So running an hour late on day one was irritating. Um, by the time we fixed it, next year we know exactly what we need. So it will run much smoother and we'll be running to time a lot. Uh, fingers crossed, touch wood. Uh, but, yeah, so that's that. And I'd best be for alternative games. So, yeah. 
for a for a first it was a like a majestic uh, strike so if that's the worst you can do that's looks pretty good for the future I mean, we did we did obsessively plan every day. You know, people have been very kind and thanking me a lot, but really, you know, is a relatively large team. You know, there's, there was there were five of us on the committee, and then we had so many helpers as well. Um, we, you know, and then Nick jumped in to help, and Elliot Barrow was there the whole weekend as well. And so we and you know we we planned as much as we physically did, and we, we're quite obsessive about it. We're already well into planning next year, and it's only been a week. So I think people are getting a bit sick of it now. I need to give them a little bit of a break. But uh, we're, you know, we, we try hard. We we know what's people are watching. You know, people want to come because they had such a good time for next year. So we've got to up the stage. We've got to make it even better. And we've got to do everything we can. We've got to book some air conditioning. You know, stuff like that. It, it, it needs doing. <laughs> so we, we the challenge is on, guys. So Steve, your passion for this so... is not diminished, is what you're saying. My what? Sorry. Your passion for this is not diminished. I mean, let's put it this way. I've had everyone telling me I've done a great job for a week. It's been brilliant. It's my ego. Steve, seriously, we would, we would love to make fun of you now. Oh, how I wish the whole thing was a complete disaster, but, um, (laughs) No, seriously, you did an amazing job. It was, um, I've, I've never been to an event that, that, that was just that quality, that much fun even i mean it was just i don't i don't know how you do it did it in all honesty well, i think the atmosphere with was, you know it was, with the players it was it was genuinely the atmosphere you know people were so up for a good time right and i think if people aren't if they come with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder or this that and the other then it can get a bit sour but in this one everyone was just there just to have a great time and to really enjoy themselves there was so much goodwill like the, the, we, we, it took us like six hours to set that tournament up. It took an hour and a half to break it down because people were so helpful. They helped packing away. They listened to the instructions. You know, the university staff were awesome. Everything just went really nicely and everyone was really happy despite 30 degree heat. So I think, you know, the uh, big round of applause to all the players and everything. All I did was just um, wang on the microphone occasionally and uh, forget the winner's surname, which was really embarrassing at the end. Yeah, but, but uh, Steve, that's not... Real world. It was a tricky one, though, wasn't it? In fairness, but it's—I mean, you're—you're—you know—you're doing yourself a little disservice there. That's not what you did, Steve, very clearly. And you had a, you know, good spirits throughout, even though I was asking annoying questions when you were very busy. So, um, you know, really, yeah. my hats off to you. It was amazing. I just—I just, I just oh, wish yeah. you had time—time time to come for magically to come for dinner with us or something like that. But uh, maybe next time. I know that's right. the, that was the thing that really bothered me the most is that I was so busy running around, like I didn't even get the chance. To talk to people about their games that much, like um, my friend Simon, he goes, oh, he goes, "You never guess what happened." I'm like, "That's absolutely brilliant." Tell me later because I <laughs> put a in that, <laughs> right? And so I didn't get a chance to people like you know, I, I did get a chance to hang out with Mark a bit, which is awesome. But you know, people like yourselves that I, I you know, I never see, I got to say hi to you, give you a hug, and that's about it. And, I, and I, I feel sad for that. Um, of course, one of my I, I will talk about what my what possibly what my highlight of the weekend was one. It, it was either uh, highlight of the weekend was either realizing that Steve had snuck an extra T-shirt into my pack, which honestly, I, I was uh, overwhelmed by that. That was so exciting. So Steve had, had uh, hidden Semantic Universe podcast uh, T-shirts of his own design in. And honestly, that was uh, amazing and the other highlight of the weekend was the friday night when we were sitting outside because it was just far too hot in mantic it was boiling in there so we were sitting on the step sweating and i was chatting to walt who as as we all know um fan of the pod lovely lovely chap 
Um, he come all the way from Australia, having never played a game of Kings of War, just to see what's going on. This was the biggest event, so he just wanted to be a part of it. Steve talked him into playing. Um, so I was just chatting to Walt, and he was, yeah, yeah, I'm Walt. I'm retired. I'm from Australia. You know, I've got my got my you know play sheep farm because I'm retired. I know where I am. You know, I'm talking to Walt. You know, I, he's Aussie. You know, I I, I know where I'm. St- I, I know where we are with this conversation. Then. Walt just casually starts talking German to someone standing behind me, uh, you know, fluent German. And it's like, uh, wait a minute, is Walt really from Australia? Is what's what's happening? That was uh, <laughs> that was such a random thing. So he'd he'd lived in Germany and his wife's not Australia. And um, yeah, exactly. And it, but it, he was talking to a Swiss bloke behind me. Um, so it was. Hang on a second. If I is, has the heat gotten to me? Am I am I imagining this? Is this is this really happening? Um, so yeah, and it's sort of like okay. Well, maybe Walt from Australia. Maybe he somehow speaks German. How does the bloke behind me speak German? You know, it was uh, that was a a strange moment, but a very, uh, very yes, uh, yeah. Mm. That's really cool. And international so- stuff is awesome. I mean, I was. I was worried about language barriers, but in in general, it went it went pretty smoothly. And you know, there was always someone on hand to translate and stuff like that. And I think um, the international nature of it was just was just very cool. And Walt's just a what a, what a great because he emailed me going, you know, I'm I'm coming to Nottingham once in a lifetime trip just because I want to go. And, you know, I want to see the lead belt. Can I come and watch? And I was like, why not play? And and he went, oh, I haven't got an army. I'm like, we'll lend you an army. <laughs> And then he sent me the most filthy ogre list you've ever seen. And he was like, how about this? And I'm like, okay, all right. And yeah, he had a, he had a great time. He loved it. You know, he, I, I told him he has to go back and play. You know, he's like, yeah, I know, Steve, I know. Like, this is going to come with Matt Croger. I was like, you know, you do have your own class of kings. You didn't have to come 5,000 miles to go to one. It's not as good though, Steve, is it? You know, they bless them. They try their best, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. Matt Croger's a legend. Ours yeah, isn't in a shed. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fantastic. And Steve, what was your, what was your, as the tournament organizer, you know, what was your, I know you had a team behind you, but bloody hell, you did an amazing job. What was your main takeaway from the weekend, if you, if there is such a thing? Oh, I just, you know, I, I, I got, you know, I never got tired of people telling me it was the best war gaming event they've ever been, they've ever been to. And I think that was just such a compliment to us that it really, put the onus on us to do it again and do it bigger and do it better. You know, we've, we've got great, we've got plans for at least the next two years about where we want to go and what we want to do with it. Um, I've had a bunch of people telling me that, Oh yeah, no, three of us came from this shop and actually there's a bunch more interested now. And I'm like, what I'm really excited about is that the, the fact that clash um, due to it, you know, just by putting it in Nottingham showed people um, what a draw Kings of War has got and what it's, what's it doing is it's propagating the game. So, you know, I've had, you know, small, you know, people in my region reach out to me, um, not realizing that I was the Clash TO, but saying, you know, I've heard about this game and I'd like to start playing. Um, you know, people are buying armies on the back of it. I think it's had a, it's been a real shot in the arm to show the world um, what Kings of War is and what it can do. You know, it's a game that can attract 150 people in a small country to a tournament. That's amazing. And that means that people are starting to look at it a little bit more seriously now. As, so you know, truly, as a, as a truly, it is the showpiece event, which, of course, it's what it was always intended to be. But I, I suppose mm. it's a weird situation, Mantic organising tournaments. The 
the weirdest thing I thought they were doing was when they were being travel agents and trying to book, you know, for example, Steve, I think they booked you to go over to the US to go <laughs> as as the winner, right? So, you know, I I think it's I think it's brilliant they've had the trust in you to, you know, to ha- just hand this to you because this is such an important event and you've repaid that trust and then some, you know, brilliant. I think um I think you know they, they kind of reflected that Clash, they 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 organised Clash of Kings because they had to, not because they wanted to. I think, if I'm being honest, it was it was something extra that they had to do on top of everything else. And Ronnie's talked about how busy they've been. Just this, like, they, there is no feasible way they could have fitted in this as well. The amount of time it takes to organise um, and to do it justice. So um, I think they. Like, you know, I, I put in my blog that, you know, when I offered to Ronnie, it was actually, you know, a group of us that would be willing to do it. He was like, yep, yep, absolutely, yep, yep. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. So I think, you know, having players run the events is is a brilliant idea. I think it's great. I think as a games company, they, they don't want to run events. What they want to do is make great games. Um, yep. And I, so I said to Ronnie, yeah, yeah. All, what I want to do is to, is to make him some money at the event. And, you know, he, he brought his shop along and I saw people with literally with handfuls of cash um so hopefully you know it's been worth their while as well and we're going to have a bigger shop at the next event um yeah everything next year bigger better you know longer stronger more absorbent it's going to be great so 300 in the same venue next year is that the plan i think we're topping um we have had a look at table plan for that venue it it tops out a, a much more reasonable number i think while still remaining comfortable you could cram people like in rows of 10 but that's not a comfortable gaming experience. And I think, you know, rows of three is probably the max I'd want to go to. Um, because the problem, if you want to go around to your opponent's side of the table, at this year's event, every table had, you know, clear space around it, which was lovely. Um, I think if you've got a row of three, it's still reasonable. And it still allows you to increase the numbers in the main hall. We've got a bit more room in kind of in the in the, in the the club as it is. But then you get close to 200 and, and the venue is full. The venue is full. Um but we've got plans for where we'd go for the year after that if we continue to increase in size. So I, I have no doubt we'll sell out next year um, pretty damn quickly. I think given the evidence from this year, we sold out pretty damn quickly. And then we had people waiting, uh, given the impact it's had and how cool it was and everyone really, you know, being raving about it. I think we're going to get a pretty fast sellout this year, which gives us the kind of the permission then to make it even bigger for the following year as long as we don't cock it up. So, so 200 for next year, do you reckon? Is that the game? I mean, is that the number? Yeah, yeah it has a nice ring to it, 200, it, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? I, I think we're going to, I think 200 will be a little bit, I thought he's like high 180s, I think is where we're going to hit in terms of max capacity for that venue. And um, while it's still being uh, livable in, right? <laughs> as long as it's not 30 degrees again. So I think high, like high 180s for next year and then the following year, as long as we can. Um, we'll move to a different venue, which will be even bigger, and then the sky's the limit. So yeah, bit terrifying saying awesome. that. Frankly. Very exciting. Yeah, well, the venue this year was absolutely fantastic. It was like being back. Well, you were you were on a college campus. It was fantastic, and uh, it really had that vibe. People were just kind of like walking through the streets, and that one street was you know like shut off from traffic and. You know, you just kind of bopped around, and uh, I thought that was great. Uh, the bar was fantastic all the time. If you wanted, uh gave you free water, but it also had the beer, the non-alcoholic beer, the Pepsi, you know, the Cokes, whatever you wanted. It, it, the atmosphere was fantastic. And I think the other big rave thing that happened was 
the extra uh, table space on the side table beyond um, the playing space. And I think that was a huge hit, Steve. Huge hit. I had more compliments for the side tables than I did for the terrain that we spent a year making. So I think um, clearly quality events have a side table. Uh, the side table isn't going away, so that's definitely staying. Um, yeah, so everything seemed to go very well. Very pleased. I uh, just need to make a bunch more tables of terrain. For, if only Mantic had some kind of new range of terrain out specifically designed for Kings of War. If only. Mm, if, if only such a thing were shipping. I really I should suggest that. I'm going to suggest, suggest that. Hmm. Yeah, good time to ask. Super. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, so we were at Mantic Friday night. That was, a, other than the, unbearable heat that was a really interesting experience and uh, there's not many companies you can just sort of turn up and the the owner of the company will just give you a tour around we had a, actually i tell you what we had a lovely time talking to ricky there um, the, the head of the resin uh, casting it was a lovely lovely chap and he was very generous with it with uh, with his time and that was that was a very interesting uh, conversation and then we were just sort of let loose in the warehouse we were just sort of wandering around the warehouse uh, so it was um very in very 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 interesting and a lot of fun and um yeah then we had um steve we had an extra day monday where we went to uh where did we go so we started at warlord started at warlord yes perfect we had the tour the organized tour um that was great really interesting they were lovely and friendly as well to be to be fair we then went to meet um um, the oh, original um, game designer of Kings of War, Alessio Cavatore. Yep, we went to Andy. go visit Alessio at his company, Riverhorse. Riverhorse, thanks, Mark. I was stalling there because I'm very tired and I couldn't quite remember. And uh, honestly, that was again that was one of my absolute highlights of the weekend. He was a lovely chap and he was so generous with his time and he made us feel so welcome. That was that was really special. Thanks ever so much, Mark, for organizing that. That'll that'll stay with me for a very long time. And then Cheers. we went to then we went to Mordor and we went we had lunch in Bugman's. Just after Warlord said don't have lunch in Bugman's, the food's rubbish. Uh we went for lunch in Bugman's, but actually it was pretty good. Um, it was wonderful. The food yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah, it was decent. And um, yeah, we had a lovely time, but no part of me was tempted to get a Forge Word model or anything like that. I was, uh, um, I, I picked up some slain stuff in Warlord, which is very cool. They're, they're, I'm so impressed with the resins after we saw their resin casting team and a ch lovely chap, Peter. So uh, uh, yeah, so I've already painted up some slain stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was it was interesting to be in Mordor. There's, um, you know, obviously it's a whole different order of magnitude to, to what, warlord and mantic can do but um it was an it was a lovely experience but um yeah you know it i think we had a good time we, we did a recording quick recording in bugman's uh got to meet your friend walt mark who was very nice also very nice thanks walt uh for walter simpson yeah. Yep. exactly yeah yeah mm. and he was kind enough to buy us our tickets to go through the uh the exhibit halls which was really cool of him that was super super nice of him so yeah but the the staff there were extremely friendly even when i was uh, complaining bitterly about uh, gw games that poor sales guy chris is telling them all about you know i play mantic games i don't play gw games anymore <laughs> and yeah, he's trying to convert this gw me, employee to play mantic <laughs> he was standing on top of a 
40k uh, demo table. It was it was classic. We did not. We really intended to go in and play Kings of War on one of the tables in Mordor, but uh, we didn't bring our models with us. So it would have been super inconvenient. But so sorry, Ronnie. We let you down. Maybe next year. Yeah, maybe next year, huh? It's it, but also the the whole weekend was so intense that honestly it just I completely forgot about you know it was um you know oh yeah I mean I didn't happen in advance it just didn't occur oh. to me it was yeah yeah I didn't stop well, then, I mean I landed out. and boom 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 ran around dinner this that 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 pass out for six hours and then I hear let's meet for breakfast at eight o'clock and then uh, for breakfast at eight o'clock boom 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 boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know it was non-stop I did get a little break at Steve's uh, on Tuesday night, which was very nice. Hang with the family. That was lovely. So, but, uh, it was, you know, for a bucket list trip, it did not disappoint. I had such a fabulous time. Thank you to everyone. And I mean, I didn't get to see everybody, but everybody that came up and said hi and, um, you know, just talked about the podcasts and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it was a fantastic, fantastic trip. Uh, I'll never forget it, and just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Let me tell you about. Um, <laughs> I took Mark um, to uh, the um, Bos Bos. Was it what's it called? Cosford, 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 the RAF Museum. Yeah. And let me tell you how adorable it is to take an absolute fanatic around a World War One, World War Two aircraft museum. It was hilarious, right? So we 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 went in, and we were quite late. Um, and we're going around this museum, and literally every corner, Mark go, oh, wow, is that a Junkers T-43TX Mark II? And he'd run up to it, and he'd take a photo, and he goes, oh, wow, it's a Mark One." And then he'd tell me a little airplane fact. And then he'd turn around and go, oh, wow, is that a Messerschmitt PF-2932? I think it is. And he goes, oh, wow, it's the last one in the world. And literally, for an hour, nonstop, because it was a breakneck speed, this was the whole hour. He was the most, he was like a little boy in a candy shop. It was hilarious. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wish I was there. I'd have loved that. Amazing. And his knowledge of airplanes is like, you think Mark's knowledge about war games or what? Let me tell you, when it comes to airplanes, the guy, he's like telling you about the fuselage and the construction. And yeah, oh, wow. He's like a mega fan. It was absolutely awe inspiring to be in the presence of. Amazing. Thank you for taking me, Steve. That was literally a tour of a lifetime. So if you ever come to the States and I get the chance, I'll take you to the Dayton Air Museum. But uh, yeah, fantastic. Super. OK, guys. So let's just quickly go over the, the numbers, because obviously on the Mantic Universe podcast, we're obsessed with the meta. Right. So let's go over yeah, uh, our little meta. I think I'm using the word meta wrong there, but whatever. So. Um, so overall re results. So we're including friend of the pod, Gad, even though he was not on Cockmup, which was our team name. Um, so Gad, is this true? Did Gad came really come in twenty second? Twenty second, yes. Yes. Um, Who's been training under Pope Neo? You see, he so. killed seven thousand eight hundred points. So hilariously, despite how badly I did. Um, yeah, Gad came to visit me about six months ago. We played three games and I won all three games. And I've been saying to Gad, oh, I'm not really good. And uh, he thought at some point he thought there was some kind of scam going on. You know, it's like one of those YouTube videos where, you know, someone's pretending to be an old woman and they do gymnastics or something. But no, no, it was just something happened that weekend that will, 
you know, we'll never be able to properly explain. Um, but whatever it is, is past and gone. And, and uh, Gad is uh, coming in at 22nd uh, and I'm uh, down down among the dead men. And then so Gad was 22nd. Clyde was 39, which was fantastic. Four wins and two defeats. Clem killed not far behind on kill points, 7,685. Bang. There we go. Um, Cheers, Clem. That was awesome, buddy. Yeah. That's all my dice. Oh, but Mm -hmm. I I think Clem was being a little bit too um, self uh, deprecating because every time, you know, how did you get on, Clem? Oh, yeah, one, but my dice were too good. I was a little bit embarrassed. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Definitely too. So. It also helps to play an army that I know because I've been playing this very oh, exact thing for a year. Cheating, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's right. basically cheating, you know. It is. It is. And then the dice, obviously, it's a dice game. But yeah, it is a dice game. So when yeah. I walked past the table, he was like, "Oh, let me tell you my dice." Blah 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 blah. And I was like, and I looked at his opponent. And I said, "Let's let's just test it out, shall we?" And I picked one up and I rolled it and I rolled like a one. And I'm like, "Nope, not the dice." And <laughs> that was it. That was my TO intervention, just to check that he wasn't cheating. No, 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 quite rightly so. Yeah, I think it was my. So I got, I came in at one hundred and fourth, and I killed uh, less points, five thousand six hundred and seventy points. Um, I, I think I was, I was doing okay going into day two. So I got uh, two wins, a draw, and three defeats. But I, I unfortunately, I lost my last two games. Um, it would have been lovely to win one more game. But um, yeah, game five, I was against a player who was definitely better than me, Andy. Lovely bloke. Um, he's very obviously a better player than I am, but it was extremely tight, and I, f- I was fancying my chances. Uh, and I jumped on his honor guard. So Shobik plus two other units. Um, did uh, 30-something wounds, hanging off the honor guard. Of course, we double one, you know, um, and that's the that was the game. So I was, I'll be, I'll be honest, that really nearly broke me. I was a bit salty there. I kept saying to him, "Oh, but it was so finely poised," and uh, and it was, um, yeah, no, I've, I'm sure I have to apologise to Andy because I was, you know, I, I was uh, salty. Yeah, mm. just way, a little bit salty. Was so salty. Yeah. He's one of the famous Smiths, is our Andy. There's a uh, lot of them around. He was absolutely super, really super chap. And um, Mark uh, came in just behind me, 114th, but you killed a lot more points in true Riff or Jork style. 6,920. So that's a great, jo- great job there. Uh, murdering um, Hedda's uh, parrot or whatever it was. Still have no idea how I killed that much. It sure didn't feel like it, let me tell you. It felt it when you were fighting against me, buddy. It, you felt killy, very killy. And Peter Swift, Pod All-Star, who we drafted in at last minute to the, the Cockmup team. Very glad to have him. came in 122 his first ever tournament of any game and 5640 points killed so fantastic and worth mentioning tim hewitt was the counter charger 
Cheers! And it was his, first King, uh, his first Kings of War event. That's, that's amazing. right. Congratulations. His very, his very first Kings of War event. So it was fantastic. So I'm coming off the stage with him, and he was just so excited. And just, you know, it's just like, this is my first tournament. It's like, that is awesome. That's what this award is all about. So very, very cool. Steve, did you have the how the teams sorted out? Because I couldn't find it. I, I had it at one time, but then I lost it. So I know we didn't end up in last place. No, we did okay. We did okay. I, I think Clem pulled us up by bootstraps, but we did okay. There was a screen. I'd say I, um, the, we moved the tournament from my control to Elliot's control, and he's not moved it back yet, so I can't see. But I think John Guns did. Um, he he pulled it out on on Fanatics, didn't he? I was just trying to find it. Um, he did it by. We're just adding together the the positions of players rather than the points they'd won. Um, uh, I'll see if I can find it, but um, I can't remember where you guys ended up. No, we weren't last. That was the no, best no, part. No, no, no. We, so, we were respectable. A little bit, little bit we, below half, but, I you know, We good. may have finished above, and I may be remembering this wrong. Apologies to your listener. I think we finished above something like King of Hearts or something like, like actual legitimate teams, you know. Oh, we did. Yeah, that yeah. was the best yeah. part about it. Yeah, we did okay. Thank you, Clem. Yeah, well, <laughs> thanks, Clem. Super. You can take my advice. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a T-shirt that says that, Clem. Thank my dice. <laughs> no, no, no. Clem is going to get some Baron of Dice dice shortly. And you can too, oh, yeah. Isla, dear listener, if you go over to the Baron of Dice websites and put in the code that we mentioned earlier in the pod. And uh, they are beautiful, beautiful dice. Um, super. So Clash of Kings, um, I, th- I think, I mean, there's, you know, we, c- we could talk about our games. We're, we're in for two and a half hours now. Should we move on to the panel law section, guys? What do you think? Sure. Why not? Wait, we got uh, a shot. I just have a second. No, just a second. First, uh, Steve, you've looked at all of the lists, right? What's the top three of the fields that you've seen? Oh, um <clears throat> By filthy mean well, yeah. See, the list that won were quite balanced, really, weren't they? I think for me, and this is an interesting conversation for another time, perhaps. But filth is a list that's so disgusting that it doesn't matter who takes it; it still crushes face. Um, I think looking at the you know the top armies, um, you know Peter Noack that won had a, a pretty balanced halfling list with a lot of shooting, to be fair. But you know the Basilean list, John Quayle's list has been on Dash Twenty Eight. It's a very filthy, very fast list. Javier came third had a very typical ogre list, which are all very filthy. Then you've got a balanced Trident Realm list, a balanced Salamanders list, a balanced Northern Alliance, two balanced Northern Alliance lists. Um, so I, I got to be honest, balanced lists seem to seem to win the day. Some high quality shooting backed up with some fast units, and then some solid infantry support. I mean, Sounds nice thing for the game, doesn't it, Steve? To be honest, right? and that's why that's the, my big takeaway from the amount of lists. If you look at the top ten, even the top twenty. There's a heavy Northern Alliance presence, probably because they're the newest army and people wanted to try and play with that stuff and people weren't used to it. But actually, there's every time. I'm delighted to say my friend Arto, um, who's from France, came 14th with his Rakin. You know, there's you know there was a disgusting goblin list that Mario ran, which was 12th. You know, a really gross elf list, right? James Mitchell came ninth, ninth. But, you know, I just, you know, it was very, very uh, balanced. Lots and lots of different armies in the top 20. Tons and tons represented even a dwarf list down there somewhere. Um, you, you'd think 
there's you know there's been talk about it, all of the undead, but then some of the, a lot not a lot of the top players took undead, so it's really down to the player rather than the list, I think. Steve, what happened to all the the Scorchwing spam that we may or may not have been expecting? Just, uh, uh, take, I mean, there was a lot. Fast flying was definitely a strong choice, I would say, which is what Scorchwing. I mean, they're fast flying shooting, they're even worse. So we don't, we no one's made that list here. Maybe they don't want to copy. I don't know. We, there was three very fast flying Basilean lists in the top twenty. So that's you know that's a very strong list. Uh, but they're not unbe- not undefeatable. I mean, even so, John Quayle came second. He lost to Tom Robinson. Uh, he lost to Tom's um, uh, um, what did he take? Northern Alliance. But have you? But he won his other games so like thunderingly well. He 25 a lot of other players that he ended up second above Tom, who ended up sixth because he lost quite heavily in the last game to Peter. So, you know, fast flying is still very strong and Sportsman's is still a pain in the ass. Um, it probably, you know, does probably need adjusting. But in general, you know, I, I, I think people in the UK, maybe they're more restrained. I don't know. There wasn't, you know, Paul Burke took all flying. I don't know. What, I, what, do, what do you want me to say? I don't know. It just, I think the game's in a good place. I think you can take one of those spammy fly shooty lists but if you come up against a really good player with a really balanced list you're in trouble that's why i'd say what do you think so i, I think honestly that uh, people in the us are smarting that i think they're frustrated that there's been this huge and so successful tournament in the uk what's the you know what's their backlash going to be you know what's uh <laughs> you know what are they planning you know to one up the uk i i don't i i, I disagree with you um, I don't think our US friends are like that. Um, I think they may be, maybe, maybe there's, maybe they're feeling envy. I don't know mate, if they are, in which case I'm really sorry. But I, all I've had in my messenger is people saying they want to come. Uh, I think they want to go no, bigger. No, 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 Steve, you're, you're spoiling my pretend, uh, pretend uh, oh. animosity here. Mark, come on, oh, tell yes. us how upset people are. They're, they're oh, they hate me. Oh, I've had so many death threats and they're, no, I think. Yeah, but to be <laughs> fair though, Steve, they were, you know, unrelated to Kings of War. I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, we have to reflect that in the US, the only reason they haven't done this already is distance. Yes. Distance and the cost of travel, right? Um, you know, Masters um, with Best of the Rest as a single kind of gathering of gamers is getting up there already. I think they want to go bigger and better. The next ones, I think, is in Washington. Um, is it Washington? Um, yeah, yeah. I think I it's going to be at the Nova Open, so... Right. So that has got the, the added, you have to pay to get to Nova Open, but it's a good place to travel to. So you're going to see some good numbers. I think the game's just on the up and up. I think in the US, they've got a lot of competing metas and the dis- the geography is so large that it's quite difficult if you're in an area with few Kings players to get into. You know, for me, I can, you know, I can drive an hour and I've got 40 players that I could play against. Them. And it's all it's it's fascinating, <laughs> isn't it? Because in the UK, if you're going to drive an hour to play a game, that feels like a really long way. Whereas really I'm sure long. in the US, oh, an hour that's that's where I go to pick up my milk in the morning or something. I don't know, but it it feels it does somehow <laughs> feel different, doesn't it? Exactly. So I think you know, there's that reflection. So I don't think you know, it's not the same. Um, I think it's just a great you know, the, the success of Clash is just a great um encouraging sign for the game in general and i'm really hoping things get bigger but i hope they take it as a challenge they should they should feel embarrassed that little old england gets 150 people now you know 
Now you're talking. They need to, they need to up this there, is what up I wanted. Exactly. This is what I wanted. They're humiliated by this. That's, exactly. This is, exactly. Show, show us how it's done bigger Regretting and better. Regretting the America. Boston Tea Party. You know, this is... Yeah. Nah, and yeah. If they do now it, we're talking. I will come to that tournament so they can rub it in my face and I'll have a great time just to, just to really spite them. So, Perfect. Yes. Well, get ready. Perfect. Get ready. Lone Wolf 2024. So uh, I already heard there's a the very first player to sign up for Lone Wolf 2024 was a uh, UK uh, national who I believe had won the tournament in the past, if that's any hints for uh, who's coming over. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was having this conversation this morning. So um, uh, PW, uh, I love it. Yeah, so it should oh, be. Can we talk uh, about yes. the hobby stand? Have we got time? I don't know how much time we've got left in the pod, but we, we really need to talk about hobby standard because that's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, yeah, please do, Steve. About how unbelievably ridiculous it was to the point where we've got now to the point, and we had some interesting chats online about the hobby standard where we've got some painters who are so good. Some people were like, why am I even bothering painting? Because they're going to turn up and the prize goes to Chris Walsh or Paul Welsh or you know, Dan Reed. And, and these armies are so... It does. Um, As it does. So they're like, they're, they're, um, they're straight out of the pages of White Dwarf circa, you know, 1995. They're just breathtaking. They're just so good. And they're better than that, actually. They're even better. So what we did at the, at the tournament was, was we created some Judges' Choices Awards for armies that were within the realms of reality but we're still, we loved them. We loved them so much. And we gave out five of those awards and Mantic gave a voucher to each of them. Um, the hobby standard, there were armies there which would have won any normal tournaments painting competition and didn't get a look in. That's how crazy it was. Like I personally, I won painting awards and my army wouldn't have got a look in, right? That's how good it was. There was you know, display boards everywhere. There was like beautiful basing. Everything was themed. There was glorious armies. And I just blown away by the hobby standard. I've, re- I've reached out rather optimistically to a bunch of hobby manufacturers to say, look, do you want to sponsor our tournament? Because look at this stuff. You've got 200 odd, you know, absolutely hobby focused gamers. What better place to to kind of, you know, force the, your stuff into their hands so they choose it? Come on, be, be our sponsor. Now, they may ignore me. But Let I me just ignore think... you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. And while we're talking high quality, uh, get over, dear listener, to Baron of Dice's uh, website and pick yourself up <laughs> some beautiful, beautiful dice, which I'm doing will it right now. always roll sixes when you need them to. I'm certain of it. Mm. Declare them if that will happen. No, no, no. He I'm has sure. some on the way, but he's not got them yet. <laughs> but I agree with you, Steve. Like, um, Every single army that I saw was just really good looking. Like um, also a lot of Mantic armies, I, I think. Like I think it was uh, better than um, two years ago. Um, Me too. Yeah. Really is going in the right direction. And yeah, just uh, great looking armies everywhere. That's just uh, not every day that you see 150 armies uh, like fully painted uh, to a good standard and, and so on. Can I please give a shout out to friend of the pod, Tom King, who came over from Ireland. And and while I'm saying, hey, Kevin, um, because those guys are uh, wonderful. But Tom's goblins were just beautifully painted. As you say, Steve, you know, an army that would normally win an award doesn't even get a look in at this. You know, okay, there's 150 people or 148, but the standard was just so high. But I mean, Tom's army was beautiful. It was absolutely stunning. Mm. Absolutely. 
no, he, he's, he's a great guy. Um, and I've played him before and he's just a really, a really lovely chap. The, the Irish team, really glad they came over and they're, they're looking to come and go for a game. But yeah, another beautiful army. I absolutely love those guys. Yeah, two years ago in Cardiff, I played against um, Kevin and his Abyssal Dwarfs, and it was our it was the last game, and we just had so much fun. You know, we were exactly on the same page with what we wanted out the game, which was just to laugh at each other's misfortune and, and just yeah, mm. it was a really really good time. So it was great to see those guys again. Super right. Um, enough of all that. Let's talk about Panalore. Mark, what can oh. you tell us about Overdrive? Sorry, Steve. Sorry. Oh, I just said, oh, right, yes. I was, oh, right, I, I was yes. having enthusiastic agreement with you. Oh, perfect. What could be better? Mark, <laughs> Overdrive. There you go, Overdrive. Well, I mean, I took the opportunity to read the lore that was in the rule book that gives us a little background there. So that's what I'm going to focus on. So, um, But uh, Overdrive came about when uh, the Dreadball ratings started to drop. And the Dreadball um, Gaming Board, I believe is their name, uh, needed something to boost ratings. So why not more violence? Sounds like a good idea, right? So <laughs> Overdrive kind of happened as like kind of like a halftime game between the seventh and eighth rush. So and it's basically played by the giants of the game of Dreadball because the coaches were moving away from the giants and the giants didn't really have much to do. So they needed to make some money. So why not bring them in? Um, and so it gave them a way to make some cash. So it became so popular that it actually became its own thing. More giants, more ways to play, and more violence. The story in the rule book really follows Matt, the machine Thomas, from being recruited as a coach uh, and in his initial training match all the way through the final of the inaugural Orion Overdrive Cup. So it's actually a good little read. So um, in particular, I like the story where he learns to coach, and I cannot pronounce this word, douche something, I don't know. It's the big floaty jellyfish thing. So, and he's doing the, this I match. I think the point is you're not, we're supposed to not be able to pronounce it like Cthulhu, you know. Cthulhu, there you go. So, but it was kind of cool in the story where all of a sudden he just started hearing voices in his head, which was the jellyfish uh, talking to him, you know, like on how to use it in the match, you know? So, and he's like, you know, give me this order, give me this order. And uh, so that was pretty cool. So um, he got, kind of got stuck with it, you know, during the drafting mechanic. And uh, actually, he ended up uh, being able to move one of the other players off a scoring spot, and they ended up winning the game. So so that actually is pretty cool because you can see that, you know, this becomes one of his solid players, you know, going through. So um, Alpha Simeon, I think, being his favorite. So um, and with Overdrive always looking for new ways to play, they introduce this bomb mechanic um, where it would pass between the players. You have to get really, really close to have this bracelet uh, where the bomb would uh, transfer over to them. And if the bomb goes off on your player, you lose two points or something like that. So um, it definitely impacted the outcome of the final. So um, there's this final thing. Alpha Simeon is trying to go after this Terraton and pass the bomb off. And the bomb hasn't gone off yet. And as he gets really close to the Terraton, the... Uh, other coach uh, tells the Terraton to pull in all the arms, legs, head, and everything else, 
and just be the shell. And Alpha Simeon's down there, and he's got no place to hand off the bomb, and the bomb goes off. So they end up losing. So bummer. But Coach Matt will be Matt will be back for more in the next season. So it's uh it's kind of nice. It's kind of broken up among the rules, and uh, so it was very nice lore to read. Can I just say, Mark, I love the way you presented that. It was brilliant. I very much enjoyed that. And I, I imagine Steve has Cheers. absolutely no idea what we're talking about. I, I, I was right up until you said um, Mark, and then I just phased out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he typically does that. You know, here's my name, and that's the cue to phase out. So We've got to give Overdrive a go. We really do. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like a lot of fun. I picked it up only because they started releasing um, sculpts in the vault and, and unreleased sculpts. And they also have the cards. So it's like, okay. Did you buy it? What's that? Did you still buy Overdrive? Yeah, I did. You know what? I, I went online and I said Overdrive. And I looked and I found a copy for about 20 bucks. And oh, so, of course, in order to get the free too. shipping, I had to add on a bunch of old school metal mantic models which made me very happy so i got a copy of that some old dwarfs and some old um elven archers and so yeah it was really really cool so i i, I can't say i wished up i picked a, up a second one but i'm glad i got a copy and uh i'm gonna print up some stuff uh hopefully someday in my mind and uh we'll give it a try uh, that sounds really cool yeah we've definitely got to give it a go clem Fantastic. Super. So we, we are very, very pushed for time. So let's um, sh- we've got loads of listener questions. So I think we will have to kind of charge through these if everyone's OK. So John Paul. Hey, John Paul is asking one thing you liked in your respective lists and one thing you would change with regards to Clash of Kings UK. So uh, one thing I liked was very much the fighty um, uh, enslaved guardians with the um, blessing of the gods. They were amazing. Um, in, in terms of negatives, um, yeah, I think everything kind of did its job as as best it could. What about you guys? Well, I I mean, Steve gave me my list, so um, for me, I needed to learn to use the Rift Forgers. I think they were a big key to the list, and I kind of missed out on that. Uh, learning how to use the Host Shadow Beast uh, to its maximum effectiveness, I got better with it as I went. And um, I think uh, Heather was the recipient of some of that knowledge as I went through. So, but it was very cool. I actually got to sit down and explain to her how it worked. So that helped me a bit. Um, And yeah, there was nothing really in the list that I didn't like. So it was a very good list. I just needed to learn how to use it better. Clem, what about you, buddy? Well, I mean, the fun thing about my list is... um, when we started uh, Salamanders a year ago, you and I, uh, I thought, well, I want to have some surge and I want to have some fast, nimble stuff. And that's how I built my version 1.0 of the list. And that's it, literally the very same list that I took to Clash of Kings. And so I didn't change anything from this very first uh, version. And I think it just works really well. I mean, it does uh, what it's intended to do. Um, some of it I, I can still probably improve, like uh, getting better surges situations. Um, there are definitely some situations where the list just can't work. Uh, probably also I would need to get a bit better at it. 
uh, like when I played against Shooty Goblins, it's quite a struggle. And uh, when I played against the all flying Basilians, it was also quite a struggle. But in both cases, it was against uh, much better players. So that might also be one of the reasons for the struggle. So yeah, no, overall, I'm I'm really happy with the with the list. I don't think I would change anything to it um, because if you remove something, then it changes a lot of the balance, uh, the, the internal balance of the list. And yeah, sure, it struggles against shooty lists, but that's how it is, right? Um, yeah. You just have to play it slightly differently, like play with the terrain a bit more, uh, play more on the on the scenario, um, and maybe not win but get a draw or just a minor loss, like still score some points. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very very happy with uh, with the list for for the year, and uh, I hope my next year um, army will also be as, as much fun. So yeah. Yeah, same same as me, Clem. I mean, definitely the weakness is is the player with me, not my list. Uh, that's definitely definitely true. If there's one thing that I probably thought didn't perform as well as it maybe should or could have for the points, um, it might upgraded Pharaoh. But I always knew that probably isn't a competitive choice. It's just I love I just love that special rule um just think it's super super cool um so you know i kind of went into that with my eyes wide open to be quite honest with you super i'll just keep things moving guys so um scott lewis hey scott what are your hopes for the twilight kin storyline i think let's park that one for now because we have so many questions and um let's give ourselves a chance to think about that a little bit um john paul again what secrets uh, secrets did you learn at Clash from Ronnie? Um, well, we've kind of discussed that a little bit. There is um, there is one thing that I won't mention. I noticed um, at Mantic um, because I think it's probably smart not to mention it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think we've probably got the the missing army. We think is probably Sylvankin or what was the other one? Guys, help me out. Heard. Heard. So we'll see. Thank we'll you, Mark. See. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we found out in this episode that Night Stalkers are definitely coming to uh, to Five Hype. So that's really, really great. Uh, so Peter Poddlestar is asking, uh, I guess my question would be, what was one really high point favorite moment in the tournament for you? He's obviously referring to Clash Kings. And while there may be a few to pick from, what was a low least favorite point? Yeah. So high point was, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Walt speaking German unexpectedly, weirdly enough that that will stay with me a long time. A uh, low point for me was probably my last game, which I, and I don't want to go into details, but I didn't have a tremendous time in my last game. If I'm completely honest, uh, and um, I'll just pass over to you guys. Well, for me, I think the um, the fun point, the fun high point was um, I I don't remember which game it was, but at some point I had like a greater fire elemental. I could go for a long surge and get a flank, and like I kind of overcommitted to really get uh, one target unit uh, dead. And so I, I roll all my dice, I do tons of damage. I'm like, oops, I shouldn't have overcommitted. That's perfect. The right moment to get a double one. Roll the dice, rob them, roll the dice again, double one. And we just laughed our asses off because it's like, yeah, that's exactly when you get a double one. And so obviously the like next turn you get a rear charge and it gets really ugly. 
but uh, yeah, it was really uh, like a fun, you know, like you 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 predict a double one. And, yep, exactly what you get. So that that was uh, that was fun. And low point, I'm not so sure. Um, I think in in the games that I've lost, the two games that I've lost, um, I thought I had it kind of under control until the very end, and then yeah, things just started to really fall apart in turn seven. Um, so that was a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's all. What about you, Buck? Well, uh, my highest point was my last game against Heather Armstead. It was so much fun. I never laughed so much. Uh, she had her par- pirate-themed ogres, and we just lined it up, played punchy-punchy, and had a blast. Um, and I, I, to the point that we like were nicknaming models, and they got their names, and then uh, we nicknamed one of her um, uh, ogre bullies Blender because he was just – oh, he was unbelievable. So hopefully Heather's making a little metal to put around his neck because he deserves it, um, you know um, – uh, her giant, you know, we named Kaka. So that was fantastic. And we just had so much fun. It, I really, it's exactly what I needed on game six. And uh, glad that I uh, had the opportunity to meet her. It was a lot of fun. Um, low point, boy, that's going to be really hard to do. But I lined up against an abyssal dwarf army. And I looked at my army and I looked at that army. And I said, I've lost this game and it didn't even start. <laughs> so I went to Steve afterwards and said, Hey, what happens if, uh, you know, this army does this, this, and this, you know, because, um, you know, it, he, he like totally figured out, I guess what the flying army was going to do. So I just, I don't know. I just looked at it. I know abyssal dwarfs and, um, pretty well. Maybe it was self-defeating for me, but it played out exactly like I thought it was going to play out. So uh, I had a unit get caught from the back. I just, I, you know, I was getting sloppy. Um, just, you know, I was a little morally defeated in that uh, particular uh, game. But I think going into that, it was 95th. And my goal was to finish in the top 100. So, um, but uh, yeah, I guess that'll be my low point. Super. And next question, guys. Are we coming back? Asked by uh, Scott, will we be returning to Clash of Kings? Um, uh, Steve, obviously, yes, because he's he's the organiser. Um, I think, Clem, it's fair to say, Mark, I very much hope you're planning on coming back. Um, yes, definitely, we're planning on coming back. Whether it'll be next year, I'm not sure. It, it, it will depend on dates and other things and obviously money. Um, but um, we w- I would love to. Yeah, same for me. Um one detail, uh, my wife's birthday is, is later in September, and so I would hope that King, uh, Clash would be earlier in September because um, otherwise it's a bit more complicated to negotiate the weekend. And, uh, yeah, coming from abroad, it's a big expense, and so doing that every year is uh, not a given. Um, I hope, Steve, you managed to negotiate good deals with uh, joint tickets and um, housing. Maybe some student housing is free for the weekend or something like this. You get a good a good price because I think that would motivate more people to join as well. Yeah, so there's um <clears throat> you can make student accommodation available with the ticket. Um, I think the price was around um, I want to say seventy pounds plus VAT, something like that per night. 
which is kind of comparable to a cheaper hotel price. The difficulty is for me is that we have to guarantee we're going to fill the rooms, 50 people, 50 rooms for two nights. So I have to guarantee that we're going to do, do that. Well, I think At that price, I'm not convinced you'll guarantee it, to be honest. And that's some of the problem, isn't it? So it's cheaper than a Premier Inn, uh, which was which was next door. But yeah, it's tricky for me because I don't want to sign off on seven grand of cost if people don't then fulfill because then I've got to find it somehow to, to fit it. So it's a yeah, tricky no, one for me. No, it's, it's probably not cheap enough. Yeah. That's not cheap enough. Yeah. If it was 50 quid, right. that would make a big difference. 70 quid. Mm, the, to me, that doesn't sound like a great deal, to be honest. Yeah. No, that was, that was why I didn't take it this, <laughs> this year. I think, you know, if we, if we, if we move to a venue that is anyway, anyway, another chat for another time, but uh, accommodation wise, I mean, there was people did find accommodation and it wasn't overly, you know, pricey. Um, there were Airbnbs and such, so fingers crossed people will be okay next year. But um, the, the the university accommodation at that price is a worry for me, so I'll see mm. what they offer me. Next question from Idiot Proof Dalek. Should I bring more Jaffa Cakes next year? Yes, I love Jaffa. As, as I discussed with you, I love Jaffa Cakes. So, uh, yes, he very kindly gave me a couple of Jaffa Cakes. I flipping love Jaffa Cakes. Um, anything you change in your army? I'm going to skip over that one for now. Sorry, Paige um overall experience we've definitely discussed that uh who has the best betty and how much luck did it bring them uh my new betty was fantastic if people don't know what this is this is uh uh the lovely john guns and his wife make these um this sort of a bag that you can hang from the table and they're fantastic and handmade and um really really nice and there's a um uh, a, f- a few options of material i think mark had the best one because it was clash of kings 23 branded uh and i didn't realize that was an option although i think it was a custom option but uh that was a great idea and uh, that was a beautiful betty i just wish the betty's um so the the metal handle that kind of allows it to hang from the table i wish that metal arm thing i wish that could fold because it was a, a a bit tricky getting it back in my uh my baggage as was everything else to get it on the flight but um other than that it's um i can't recommend it enough to be honest that's fantastic idea and they're they're really lovely things so next question Stuart hastings where is a good starting place to become immersed in the world and law i've recently bought the ice and shadows starter set and would be keen to learn more about both the general world and northern alliance uh welcome Stuart. guys what do we think Hmm. Learning more about Northern Alliance. So in terms of books, as I wander over to my shelf of books, I think, you know, the books that I would definitely recommend people read. Uh, let's have a look. We've got Ascent of the Goblin King is fantastic. Rise of the Celestians is fantastic. Drogon Alliance is always a big favourite of yours, Steve, has discussed. I wasn't going to... Sorry, move on, good. move on. Fires is good. Steps to Deliverance are very good. There are a number of good books, don't we? Um, you know that you can read I think none of them have directly addressed the Northern Alliance yet and I think that's by design because they're doing the current campaign but here's what I think if you wanted to get to grips with the Northern Alliance the best place to start is with the current campaign which is online it's got three stories online which are excellent the first two are written by Rob Berman and, and, and they really- are excellent I'll, I'm I've got to read chip it in. they're fantastic all you've got to say to me is it's written by Rob Berman yeah, he's fantastic. A bit, a bit 
better editing. There was a few kind of uh, editing areas that jarred a little bit, but the content of them by, is by and large very, very good as well. So if you want to get to grips with Northern Alliance stories, um, check out the Shadowed, Shadowed Horizons. Shadowed, what's it called? You're nearly there, Steve. We're, we're, we've Hello. run out of time, so just keep it moving. It's, we've mentioned Shadow it previously Horizons. in Come the pod. Mm. Yeah, kingsofwarthegame.com slash Shadow Horizons. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Super. Cool. So Danny Graves, hey Danny, has asked, now that you've seen Clash of Kings, the Twilight King release, and been to Warhammer World, if you won megabucks on the Euro Millions, if you had the amount of investment cash to throw at Mantic, what would you do? Mm. Uh, I'd make a ship, spaceship combat game, I think. Just, just for the fun of it. I would push through the 10 millimeter Kings of War game I've been discussing with Matt and Ronnie. I would do the same, and I would also probably support local gaming communities, um, figuring out a way to have beacons of Mantic fun uh, all over the world. Um, I would give a job to our good friend Gad, uh, for example, and all of the other Gads that are out there um, making their community play uh, Mantic games, because what Mantic needs now is not... A lot more stuff. It's uh, more people playing the games. Like we need to spread the good world. The good word, I think. And uh, obviously, hire us to be full-time MUP uh, podcast makers. That'd be good. That'd be handy. You guys are really nice. I'd buy a yacht and live a life of luxury. What are you guys doing supporting all this wargaming stuff? Come on, Steve. What do you need a yacht for? You live in Birmingham. <laughs> we got cows. <laughs> <laughs> Buy a barge at least. Live on a barge. Sounds miserable. It's a downgrade, isn't it? I'm going to buy a canal barge. <laughs> I want the Euro Millions. I'm moving out of my house to live on a barge. Down at the freezing lock. Perfect. Good. Dave Fanning, what if any would be your uh, go-to dish to cook when having people over for dinner uh, so when uh, we do the gaming weekends i'll normally do something like a chili or a um a cut like a lentil curry or maybe a shepherd's pie or something a cottage pie or something like that something you can just bang in the oven and um you know cook the previous cook the day before and it's you know keep it in the fridge and it's ready to just pop in the oven and you're good to go so you can spend most of your time gaming um i think we'll just leave that one there i'm gonna say take out pizza because you know take out pizza always a good yeah, option who wants to cook uh friend of the pod mo gaddafi best moment of clash i think we discussed that at length and then the last question we've got through them all bob nelson hey bob should we set up a dating service, which is put sin- in sinister sinister quotes, for foreign war gamers for next year's post-clash liaisons? I'm going to say no. But what do you guys think? A dating service in quotes. It sounds sinister. Yeah, that could make my wife stop me from coming. You <laughs> <laughs> mean like the team, team matchups, right? I don't know. It's the quite. Uh, it's um, Bob. You, no, Bob. We'll have another go next month. You just uh, can you, Bob? Can you kindly clarify your question, and we'll have another crack at it next month. Yeah. Uh, super. So, guys, we're over time. We haven't reviewed command protocols yet, uh, so we're we're going to be even later than normal with that. Well, there's uh, always next pod. There's always the next pod. Exactly. And exactly. we have such an awesome guest for the next pod. It's actually better that it's drifting to the next pod. 
that is exciting. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, yeah, fair point. The listeners are going to be so disappointed now when we're sort of like, yeah, you know, it's a new updated rule book. Yeah, we like it. Uh, what are the changes to units? We don't know. <laughs> so all that to look forward to the next pod, dear listener. Guys, anything to touch on before we call it a night? Thank you to Ronnie Renton for joining us for the first time here on the Mantic Universe podcast. Thank you to Steve Hildrew and his entire team for such an awesome event. And they said, would I come again? Uh, it's between Lone Wolf, UK Clash of Kings, and the Alamo. So one of those three will win. Um, oh, God, Mark, if you come back, I'll have to come then. That's, <laughs> so, okay, let's let's put that out there. If, if you're coming back to Clash of Kings next year, I'll come back to Clash of Kings next year. There you go. I, I love so, that you guys think it, it's optional for you guys to come back. It's absolutely mandatory. Uh, I will take no oh, idea. You guys are I close. About I'm not close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're I pretty close. So mu- I learned so much on this trip. I could probably do it like I do a lone wolf trip. So I will have to uh, figure all that out. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I had such a good time. And if you're on the fence about going to the UK Clash of Kings, take it from somebody who did it. Okay, and flew 3,800 miles or whatever. Okay, it was so much fun. Just go. We have such a fantastic community. It was such a fantastic event. And I know we've talked about it on and on and on. And, uh, you know, Walt even came in from Australia. And that just shows you how good of an event it was. It was so much fun. And there were a lot of people, because I was so busy, I didn't even get to see, like, the Orange Wonder, Andy Ransom, et cetera. So, um, you know, it gives me a reason to come back next year. But really, it was that good. So seriously, consider about coming. Um, it's a lot of fun. Perfect way to end it. Thanks, dear listener. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Hi, everyone. Bye.